pretending he's beside me all alone. I walk with him till morning. Welcome to Freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek pageant. The show where four contestants who missed the boat 25 years ago go down the catwalk for the first time. Join us as we experience the series with a fresh perspective week to week and see if our adolescent experiences match up with Dawson and the gang. I'm your pageant host, Cody. And let's introduce Stella wearing nothing but a tiara and light up Reebok sneakers. Yay! Hello. Hi, I'm Stella. Thank you. And Mallory in a gorgeous three-piece chicken suit made of taffy. Hello there. (laughs) And James dressed like a race car driver with two foam fingers and clown shoes. Vroom, vroom, motherfuckers. What's up? I'm James. And uh, yeah, we're we're here for Freaks and Creeks, baby. This week we're going to be talking about season one, episode 12, Beauty Contest, just in case you didn't know from our intro there. But before we get into it, we do have some Capeside correspondence to get to. We have an email from listener Chris. Uh, he sent us a fan theory. We love these. Send us more. Yep, send us more. Um, Kevin Williamson wants us to hate teachers. I believe it. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. So the evidence presented is one, Miss Tingle being so terrible she kidnapped in she gets, she gets kidnapped in Teaching Miss Tingle, which is a movie that uh, Katie Holmes is in that Kevin Williamson directed. Um, number two, Pacey and Miss Jacobs and Mr. Gold. So the the storyline of Pacey, Miss Jacobs, and I'm not sure about the Mr. Gold element there. Um, well, I mean, you know, Mr. Gold, what? he gets in a little fight with Mr. Gold at the movie right. theater. Mm-hmm. I added that one in. Chris didn't ah, actually okay. include that. But Got I felt it. like it was worth mentioning because he's a fucking teacher. He knows he's a teenager and he's not not being. Anyway, not to forget all the other teachers at Cape Side. Right. Uh, Just in, in general. Yes. Yeah. They're horrible. Um, and then the third one that he presented was the faculty. The movie, the faculty, every teacher is a murderous alien. Yes. And that movie. uh God damn. I, that's a that's like a seminal 90s movie for me. I just remember the Pink Floyd song, The Wall they play in that one. Mm-hmm. Introduced me to that band. Thank you. Yeah, that movie is extremely good. Yeah. I love that movie to death. Robert Rodriguez movie. If you haven't seen The Faculty, get into it. You gotta. Um, I wanted to actually just throw a quick shout out to Chris, not just for the email, but he's actually been a day one listener of ours. Um, I uh, He followed us over from our initial Reddit post announcing the show and... Uh, He's been listening ever since. So, hey, Chris, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Woo! Thank you. And the fact that we don't know you and you've been listening since day one is even crazier. Wild. Bonkers. So wild. Crazy. Wow. We love it. Thank you. Also, we have a fun new review from a listener in New Zealand. Uh, They review five stars. As a longtime Dawson's Creek podcast listener and connoisseur, this is just the breath of fresh air I've been looking for. A bunch of newbies to the show giving their thoughts and insights with no knowledge of what's coming up is a really fun listen, and I love the attention to detail and hearing their plot speculations, some more accurate than others. Mine. (laughs) Hashtag (laughs) Team Joey. Thank you so much, listener. Everything shiny from New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand. A functioning country. Yeah. I wonder what that's like. Well, I mean, it's because they have all the hobbits there, I think. Isn't mm. it run by the hobbits? 
<laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I guess it's time for us to get into the episode then, huh? Before we get into it, James, did you want to let the listeners know why the sound might be a little different oh, today? <laughs> yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for the uh, <laughs> reminder. Everybody, if you're listening, well, I hope you're listening at home and not in our home because if you are here, I'm scared. But if you are hearing a little bit of strange noise in the background, like a high-pitched hum, low-pitched noise, white noise, it's just because we're in the middle of a heat wave and also a wildfire smoke party, I guess. It's a very strange party. So we're doing our best to stay cool in here. Very sorry if you hear any of those noises. Hopefully you can excuse it. I'll do my best to remove it in post, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Don't give us bad reviews, please. (laughs) Considering uh, our global heat death, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of years, every podcast has a fan blowing behind (laughs) it. I think we actually need to get another microphone for our fifth host, which is just a fan. (laughs) Just a... What do you think about that, fan? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, uh, we're going to be talking about season one, episode 12. As previously mentioned, this is Beauty Contest. It's also known as Pretty Woman. This episode was released May 12th, 1998. And in this episode, Joey and Pacey both enter a local beauty pageant, the Miss Windjammer pageant, which is just such a great name. I love that name. So this episode was written by Dana Barada, directed by Arvin Brown. And I've got a little bit of trivia about this uh, this episode when it was released. Like I said, May 12th, the movie on the top of the Billboard charts. Sorry, box office charts. Deep Impact. Oh! And I forgot about that movie existing somehow until reading that. And it brought back so many memories. Did you guys see that when you were kids? Oh, yeah. Who was in that? I can't remember. Oh, I got it's uh, Robert Duvall, Tia Leone, and Elijah Wood right. are kind of like the three big ones. But there's a, actually yep. a pretty big it's cast stacked. Mm-hmm. Morgan yep. Freeman's the president. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Uh, who's oh, who's uh, the the crush that Elijah Wood has? Oh, that they survive at the end. Spoiler alert for Deep Impact. I will have to pull that up. But it's a crazy movie. Lily Sobieski. Sobieski. How do you say yes. her last name? Sobieski. Yes. Sobieski. Yeah. Lily Love her. Yeah. Yeah. There's also, uh, this was, uh, did Armageddon come out first? I know. Or was it after Deep Impact? In my head, Armageddon came out first, but I think actually Deep Impact did. Okay, yeah. It's like the six month of Meteor movies. Both. Uh, let's. Well, yeah. They were both that year, but not sure Armageddon what was released June 30th, so oh. a month later. Oh. oh. Yeah, I feel like I remember them being, yeah. so, like there being a lot of movies that were like. Yep. Was Independence Day, I know that's a slightly different similar. take on this, but was that also 98? No, that was 95 or 96. Okay, yeah. Anyway, man, what a time 96. for apocalypse movies. Yeah, there. Uh, we were just talking about how movies, Stella and I were talking about how sometimes you'll get two movies that are very similar coming yeah. out in the same year. I remember for uh, all the magic heads out there must have been super stoked when The Prestige and The yes. Illusionist came out in the oh. same year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what were we talking about? I have no idea. I don't okay, remember. sounds good. It's <laughs> incredible. But I agree. It feels like every couple of years you get this, like, this cycle of movies where you have at least two that are basically the same film and it always makes me wonder like what happened did somebody leave a pitch meeting that they declined the film they're like i've got a screenwriter friend and i'm gonna give him (laughs) this idea or them this idea and see what they can do and then we'll buy that film instead because it's gonna be cheaper yeah i i I had remembered i had referenced the disney did a live action jungle book but at the exact same time you had Andy Serkis directed mm-hmm. Mowgli, the dark yes. jungle book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, same year. So. Also, there's like a couple of Pinocchios this year. <laughs> yes. Speaking of that, yeah. there's like <laughs> at least two, yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah. Guillermo del Toro's doing yeah. a Pinocchio and then there's just the generic the, Disney beat right. for yeah. beat live action. Yep. 
full quotes. I'm really excited about that Guillermo del Toro one. Yeah. I want to be scared by a little wooden boy. That original one was scary enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know you don't like horror movies, Stella. (laughs) I I just hope it goes uh, the same way as The Shape of Water. We get a sex scene with Pinocchio. Oh, God. Um, Another thing about May 12th, 1998, and this is honestly probably the biggest piece of news ever to come to Dawson's Creek. Um, A very important album was released on May 12th, 1998. I can't wait to hear. It's Dark and Hell is Hot by DMX. <laughs> his mainstream like studio debut. And that I bought that album. Uh, my dad broke it. He was very upset that I had an album that had explicit content at eight years old. And <laughs> How I, did you buy it? Um, I think I had my brother buy it for me. Or maybe my brother bought it and I stole it. Or maybe one of my... I, I know I had it through my brother somehow. Um, but yeah, I remember him breaking it in front of me, which is a cycle that then later repeats later on when I bought Limp Biscuits, mm. Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water album, because the fuck song is the opening track off that. And he says fuck like 36 times or something. My dad heard that and he just broke it in front of me. Anyway, um, I really like that album because DMX barks like a dog. And I thought that was so cool. <laughs> I feel like every song on that record is a single. Because oh, that's what's sure. like, y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here. Rough Ride is Anthem. Mm. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's that's an incredible album. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it and rest in peace, DMX. We miss you. Is that going to be your recommendation for this week? It's an early one. Yeah. Let's see. We'll have that's to wait cool. till the end. Hmm. One thing I wanted to add to Keep Side Correspondence that oh, I forgot yeah. was shout out to Wordle this week. Not Ooh. sure if any of you did the Tuesday or Wednesday Wordle. I yes. can't remember what day it was, but the word was leery. Yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really dating Thank this you, episode. Wordle. I was very excited when... When, that, when I found out that was the word. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit of uh, viral marketing on our yeah. part. <laughs> we slipped that in there. Well, you know, this episode has a little bit of everything. It's got just about every ism that you can imagine. There's misogyny, there's ableism, there's transphobia, there's classism. I mean, it's just great. I love all that. There is diegetic music for, like... Uh, a large part of it, including a whole ass musical number that we just heard in the beginning. And there's some legit sorcery that happens in this episode. Oh my God. Sorcery. What, like, what did you guys take away from that? Those are my, like, I love this episode for those reasons. What about you guys? No notes. Perfect out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I thought, I thought it was kind of terrible, actually. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was totally the worst. Yeah. I felt a combo of sad and sick at the end of this episode. <laughs> Like, terrible. I was ill. Yeah. I think, so we watched, Mal and I watched this after you both had watched this and texted us saying, have you watched it yet? (laughs) Um, And then you sent us a photo of Cody's face, which we may just have to post on our Instagram as as he was witnessing the beauty of of our On My Own by Joey. And um, yeah, when we got to that part, I didn't... Mm -hmm want to watch any more of this show <laughs> it scared me it was uncomfortable i really didn't like it yeah when i watched it again i just really wanted to fast forward through that scene but Ooh. i couldn't you know i had to watch it it's mm-hmm. rough though it's something i never want to hear again mm, we're gonna hear it a lot today yeah I yeah <laughs> then it's gonna be stuck in my head for a very long time on an engagement entertainment level this episode was perfect uh, but uh, for uh, a realistic criticism, I'm going to say this is an abysmal 42 minutes of television. God. One of the worst episodes of TV I think I've ever seen. Uh, I could not fucking believe my goddamn eyes, ears, and all three other senses, or fourth, if I'm Haley Joe Osmond in the system. <laughs> I 
The only thing that I can even kind of compliment would be Joey realizing that Dawson is full of shit and turning him down for falling for the facade of her beauty pageant version of herself instead of her. And I thought that speech was really great. But then they completely negate that. And it's the antithesis of the entire episode's themes when at the end they Mm -hmm. both smile. Thinking of each other. And it fades to black playing one of the worst songs I've ever heard uh, in my life. Uh, I hate almost everything about this episode. I hate the beautiful girl has self-esteem issues but learns she's beautiful trope. I hate uh, how Jen's arc makes no sense uh, at at all. And Mm -hmm. uh, the the only thing that's worse than everything that I've already spoken about (laughs) is the, the score is one of the most grating garish, horrible things I've ever heard. At every moment, it tells you exactly what you're supposed to feel instead of allowing the audience to feel based on the performances or the shots. It is disgusting, and I hate it. It's even worse (laughs) than the jangly guitars that they used in other episodes Uh, to tell us that this is a funny rom-com moment. uh, I hated that we essentially get nowhere with Jen and Joey. Like It's like a fake-out. Like they're Oh, they're going to become close, but then at the end, we got nowhere. To me, honestly, this feels like an episode that would have would slash should have come in like episode three or four, because what happens in this episode? Fucking nothing. They introduce a bunch of stuff. And then by the end of it, they're like, anyway, never mind all that stuff. So why the fuck did we watch any of this? Nothing to fucking happened to hear the greatest song of all time. <laughs> yeah, but. You know, all of that said, I totally agree with every single thing you guys are saying. This episode sucks ass. It is awful. But on my rewatch, I had so much fun watching this episode. It was probably the most enjoyable episode I've had so far. And on my own is a bop. It gets stuck in my head. (laughs) I, like, can't stop thinking about it. I'll be working on, like, completely non-Dawson's Creek related stuff. And then just in the back of my head, I just hear on my own. Can we add some beats to it? just fucking goes. <laughs> yeah, let's do a remix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mash After up. this, we're going to drop in our uh, our produced remix of On My Own. In Dawson's bedroom, our hero watches a nature documentary about animals that use the world's boom boom room for procreation. <laughs> Joey expresses her distaste and they fall into a discussion on sexual attraction. Dawson thinks it's all about animal instinct, baby. Whereas Joey thinks people are socially influenced to be attracted to whatever's currently in. When Dawson pries further about instinctual attraction, she turns away and states she hasn't the slightest idea. A clue for an audience that, yes, she does, in fact, have a thing for Dawson. (laughs) Let's talk about that argument really quick. Because, so, what the fuck do you think happens here? (laughs) It took me, I had to rewatch this scene probably like 15 to 20 times to really get what's being said here. What do you guys think? Okay. A a lot of this episode is like very surface level discussions on like deeper social issues. And I think what they're trying to say is, and I agree with both to an extent, I mean, like sexual attraction is like instinctual, but also we are programmed by our media to be attracted to certain things. So this is setting up the theme for the episode, like all the other episodes have where Joey is saying that when you're told that something is beautiful, you're going to fall for that beauty no matter what. And later on when she's all dolled up, Dawson is like, wow, it's like, I'm seeing you for the first time. And she's like, yeah, we had this fucking talk. Of course you're going to be attracted to me when I look like this, but the next day I'm going to have no hairspray or makeup and you're not going to be attracted to me anymore. Right. Um, But then 
like I said earlier, that theme collapses in the final shot. So yeah. I mm-hmm. honestly don't really know what this show is trying to tell me in this scene or throughout this entire episode or really what this are. I don't even yeah, know the, what they're arguing about. The it dialogue. doesn't really make sense. No, they go. The dialogue was like super it, weird. It, the first time I watched this. So what we're talking about here, they're watching this video of praying mantis as fuck. And th- Dawson is then talking about, you know, essentially they're then talking about like, what is biology's impact on your like partner, right? That's essentially the argument they're having. Dawson argues, well, Joey argues that unlike humans, the animal kingdom is driven purely by instinct. Humans are driven by culture, really, is what she's trying to say. And then Dawson's like, well, no, like you can't really say that because like there's definitely biological impacts into who you're attracted to, but it's also cultural as well. And then Joe, <laughs> Joey, so Dawson's like, you can't tell me that, that this doesn't have an impact. And Joey's just like, I haven't the slightest idea. What the fuck does that mean? What are you saying? She's, I think she's responding to Dawson if he's right about animal instincts, instinct in terms of human attraction. Like she's, I, I don't, I haven't the slightest, slightest idea about that. If so you're right, like, she, I don't know. But, but it was I, a weird way. Like I thought that the dialogue, the, it was just so weird. It, I thought she was referring did, to like her attraction to Dawson. I know, but what that's what's confusing to me is because she's acting coy, right? Like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. You like, I, but so is she saying that that is, she's been cultured to find Dawson attractive? Because that's her argument that humans are not biological. And Dawson is saying, no, actually, that does have an impact in it. And she is, she's saying, I haven't the slight, I don't know. Maybe, but, but the but I know, but acting her, of it isn't that no, she doesn't know. She does, but she's know. faced away from Dawson, so I think it's like a double. Maybe we're like, supposed to be like seeing it in two different ways. This maybe. is such a good discussion. <laughs> I, I, so later on, because uh, the the trope that we're working with is that you know Katie Holmes is obviously a beautiful person, and that trope I think is, she's too tall. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ! Uh, but this she can't this, walk in heels. This trope is the constant thing of like, oh well, if she only you know let her hair down and took her glasses off, yeah. she's the most attractive person you've ever seen. She's all that. Um, yeah, baby. But so for her, her I is is her argument coming from a place of self loathing because she knows that she doesn't match what she's talking about when she says like people want to fuck the the yeah. gens out there, the heroin she, addicts. She's not Jen, so. When she's saying the slightest idea, I, or, you know, uh, to finish off that conversation with Dawson, I don't know if this is three layers of mm-hmm. that she's keeping above herself to not. I honestly don't. Yeah, yeah. It, like it is so poorly written, yeah. and the themes mm-hmm. are there, but not really that it right. doesn't really make any sense to yeah. me. It honestly feels like they mixed up which shot they were going to use, ah, yeah. you know, and they were like. I kind of fucked up the dialogue on that one. I couldn't quite get the delivery. Can we do that again? And they're like, yeah, totally. Let's do it again. But they only kept the first take or something. (laughs) Cause it's like, I mean, I know it's written that way, but it just really is so hard to follow. And I, like I said, I probably had to watch this scene like 20 times Mm -hmm. to really understand what the fuck was, at least what I think they're trying to say. And I'm still not confident in it. I still don't really know. It's stuff like this, that this, this either means that this is the most well-written show about nuanced characters I've ever seen in my entire Definitely. life, or they wrote this in 20 minutes <laughs> and because they needed yeah. a filler episode yeah. and this is the garbage that we're getting. Like they right. do a pageant. Okay, cool. Uh, we don't need to write more than that, right? No, 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 no. And then they're shooting that day. They're like, uh, we've got one scene. Joey, can you sing? Yeah, totally. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think like throughout this episode, there's a lot of dialogue that is just really poorly written. So mm-hmm. I don't know if we've, if, I feel like the, the writer that name didn't sound familiar. So I don't know if we've had any other episodes by this person, but. A little rough for sure. Yeah. Well, at least it gets better from here. <laughs> at the Ice House, Dawson reveals that Cape Side's Yacht Club is holding an archaic beauty contest via the Windjammer Days pageant in which the winner receives five grand in a trip to New York City. Not only is his mom going to be one of the judges, but he's been given the task of covering it for the local news. When Jen reveals she used to be a pageant girl, Dawson compliments her condescendingly. As Joey and Jen leave, Pacey criticizes Dawson's backhanded comments, and Dawson admits that trying to win her back has become a bizarre hobby. Okay, so first off, I just love introducing the pageant. They say that it's uh, a way to get in tourists... Mm-hmm. before uh, the town shuts down for the season. And I, I Everyone like, yeah. in the state of Massachusetts and New England in general is rushing to Cape Side to see 15-year-olds yeah. in a beauty pageant. I was like, is that, do tourists go to beauty pageants? How, that, like local beauty pageants? Yeah. 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 How bored were people in 1998 that they're like, in Arkansas, and they're like, what are we going to do this weekend? It's the last weekend of summer. And, a, and <laughs> another, There's a beauty pageant in Massachusetts. <laughs> and another thing that absolutely makes zero sense to me is the character of Hannah, who we're introduced later, mm-hmm. is... Uh, oh, God. She's given to us on a silver platter as being someone who's very, uh, like, a one percenter. Silver spoon. She's a uh, silver spoon, yeah. So... And she's off to a private boarding school, but she's coming home to do a beauty pageant. Yeah. For right. what cred? Like why? Yeah. To, yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing I can think of is to just like rub it in that she's better than everybody. But yeah, I've got yeah. some thoughts on that that I'll share later. Oh. But yeah, I mean, that, that character is a trip. <laughs> I have some thoughts on wardrobe here and costuming. Oh, okay. So I, I don't know what you guys thought here, but I think that there is a, I think one of the things that I like about this episode and one of the things that impressed me with it was that the wardrobing and the costuming for Jen and Joey, I think tells this episode's story very well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm sure you all noticed this, but in this scene specifically, Jen and Joey are dressed nearly identically. Jen is wearing a brown suede, mm-hmm. a chestnut suede jacket and a Which green. Which she's worn before. That's another repeat one. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And a green rib knit sweater underneath that and then like light wash blue jeans. Joey is wearing a dark brown corduroy jacket. So it's a similar texture to the suede. Same mm-hmm. three button styling. She's also got a green gray V-neck sweater and then light wash jeans. Like if you put them side by side to each other, the only difference is Jen is a little bit brighter than Joey. And this continues through at least the first half of the episode before we get into the um, the... The pageant and then at the pageant we get a flip and jen starts wearing clothing that joey would traditionally be wearing like very kind of cover-up-y uh like loose fitting clothing and in, in, including the last scene where she's literally just wearing a big baggy hoodie and black mm-hmm. jeans mm-hmm. and joey is now wearing like ball gowns and fresh clothing right so i think that the wardrobing is telling the story that this episode is trying to set, set, tell but way better than the episode is actually doing. Yeah, I love that. The one thing I did notice is when they're at school, though, they're back to their normal outfits. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but outside of school, what you're saying yeah. 
is yeah is definitely but I also, there. Well, I'll talk yeah. about that. But yeah, when, when we get to the school, there's a, a, mm-hmm. I th- an yeah, interesting yeah. thought there. But yeah, I don't That's know. Cool. I, I thought that was cool. I thought it was like an interesting thing. I know we've talked a lot about the costuming on this show. And this was the first time that I felt like they were doing something very intentionally that mm-hmm. um, besides like obviously just using the styles and the colors, right? That's intentional. Right. But I mean like costuming the same. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Definitely. That's a very astute observation because we're finally getting a, a glimpse of those characters being placed on the exact same level for yeah. Dawson. But again, it's mm-hmm. so frustrating that this is, again, only for Dawson. Like, this is yeah. the purpose of showing his attraction to both of them being on the same playing field instead of them being individuals and right. doing something else. Yeah. But that is, I'm really happy. Like, I didn't notice that at all. So I'm really happy you brought that up. Oh, yeah. Because I want mm-hmm. this show to be more than what I'm recognizing. <laughs> <laughs> Desperately. <laughs> Yeah, it, it that is the silver lining for me on this episode. It feels like we ha- I have to give it just a little more credit than I was initially giving it because that's mm-hmm. a little bit more thought than the rest of the episode appears to have. Totally. Um, I thought it was interesting that uh, Dawson is uh, volunteering for this, for the TV station. I, this might be a foreshadow that we have talked about before. Where Will Dawson eventually work at the TV station? Definitely. Is this his leg in to, you know... I think so. <laughs> it seems so lazy to me. Like whoever, like I, I, I mean, this person must have been in the writer's room, but it almost feels like someone was just brought in off the street and they're just like, okay, so what is Dawson like? And like movies, and like, okay, well, movies have cameras. So I guess right. that's yeah. for him yeah. doing a news story. It just seems so yeah. weird. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this might be a through line for him. Yeah. Maybe he becomes a documentary filmmaker. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the, all the backhead and, compliments oh. yeah that and him dawson saying that he it, it's just a hobby to get jen back it's like very strange um i think he read uh that book by mystery on negative yes. also he says quote he's tried everything else so that leads me back to like what we talked about last episode where he clearly was Cody intentionally and I you guys I, I, I do yeah i saw it i saw it in this episode totally so this leads me, so I, I was like, yes, he's being super manipulative now. And he admits to, you know, he's like condescending, manipulative, last episode, sorry, and excluding her and all the stuff. And it reminded me of Dennis Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> if you're not familiar in that show, in that sitcom, he is a womanizing scumbag. And he admits to all of his other characters that he has a system for how to best manipulate a woman to sleep with them and then get rid of them. And it's called the Dennis system, which sounds exactly like what we're dealing with with Dawson. He So the D going off of here is demonstrate value, engage physically, nurture dependence, neglect emotionally, inspire hope, and then separate entirely. Wow. <laughs> and even though that's a joke in It's Always Sunny to show how awful of a human Dennis Reynolds is, here it seems like that is the playbook that we're getting <laughs> totally. for Dawson. Do you think that Pacey feels some kind of responsibility for the monster that he has created because he is the first person to have told Dawson like, yeah, well, in order to get Jen back, you basically have to nag her into loving you again. It It is interesting that we're now seeing him kind of being combative with yeah. it, being mm-hmm. like, wow, why are you such a fucking dick, yeah. dude? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I hope that we actually get to that point maybe in the season finale where he's like, oh, I can't believe I gave you this advice. Yeah. 
Um, so <laughs> we talked about how the, this show ha- presents these teenagers as more more like adults. So I noticed in this scene, I don't know if anyone else noticed, they're all drinking like Coke or Coca-Cola, yeah. some sort of soda, but they're all holding it as if they're like drinking beers or cocktails. or whiskey or yeah. like cocktails. And it looks like notice? wine. I yeah. thought they were oh, just okay. drinking red wine. <laughs> Something, but like the way they're they're kind of like sauntering around, like yeah. and Je- like Jen's kind of like holding the cup like she's drinking, you know, liquor. Yeah, yeah there's like no ice that, in it. Th- yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you just took that scene out of context and played it for an audience, they'd be like, oh, cool, a bunch of like college-age kids are like having a drink coke. before a party. <laughs> yeah. <a> game. <laughs> Something that came very clear across to me when I was watching this is it looks cold. Like yeah. when they shot mm. this, it looks like a very cold beach day. And if you've yep. ever spent any time on the coast when it's cold, it is very, very cold. cold. So I can't help but think like, why would anyone drink an ice cold Coca-Cola <laughs> on a beach day like that? Like, yeah. why are they even eating outside? It's probably like... If anything, if they're eating outside, it's like at what, at most 50 degrees, 45 yeah. degrees, like get out of town. Yeah. Have a all, hot tea. Yeah. They're all bundled up too. And so it's definitely, yeah, a cold day. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to sell this idea that, cause don't they try to say it's before, this is before summer or it's the end of summer. No, it's before summer. Right. It know. just says what? tourist season. Like they're yeah, talking about the fuck oh, is tourist season, season but we just finished, well, we were in fall, like. Yeah, but it was so yeah, tourist season is fall in Massa- Massachusetts. I mean, is, listeners, please tell us when the fuck is tourist season? Because yeah. it is really beautiful know. there in the fall. True. So maybe that is a big time for tourism. You know, I've talked to a, I, I work with people that are in Massachusetts, and they say that the tourism to Salem, which is kind of gross around mm. Halloween right. is absurd. Like oh, you, sure. like oh, okay. driving anywhere around that area is a nightmare. So maybe hmm. in some way, shape, or form, we're around that time. Yeah, I wonder. Potentially. I don't know. I don't know. Um, another note I had. So they're talking about the prize of five thousand um, dollars. I looked. I was curious what that is today. Mm. It's uh, it's about nine thousand dollars. So mm. I don't know. Thought that was interesting oh, to know. Good amount of money. Yeah, that's well, very generous. Like yeah. doubled since right. nineteen ninety eight. I know. <laughs> Wild. Inside the ice house, Joey insinuates that college is out of the picture as she'll be a poor Cape Cider forever. Jen tells Joey she believes in her and thinks the scholarship isn't too far out of the picture. She then moves on to prod at the friendship question. Now that Dawson isn't wedged between them. Although Joey is cold at first, she accepts and jokes about not wanting to do girly stuff with her. This scene is yet another example of how Dawson's Creek continually just fails the Bechdel test because yes. what do they do? Just talk about Dawson. Well, it's like they, this scene like fails it while sim- simultaneously trying to pass yeah. the Bechdel test. It's yeah. like, <laughs> they're like, look, they're talking about their, their lives outside of Dawson, but let's get back to the real yeah. stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this scene really gave me false hope uh, uh, with two layers there at the opening of the episode when I, I didn't even look at the gender I should have, but the person oh, that wrote right. this episode is named Dana. So I was hoping like, oh, a woman wrote it this is episode. A woman, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, maybe she'll have like, uh, I would like to he see. Wants views. Yeah. Right. And I, I want maybe more, you know, Jen and Joey stuff. Maybe that'll be the focus. And I knew that Joey would be the focus of this episode based on the little uh, thumbnail that we get on HBO. But when they had this conversation and they introduced, you know, these kind of themes like, oh, they're going to work towards their friendship. I was like, hell yeah. Like this is going to be a really cool centric episode with them, you know, bonding, which it kind of is, but then later that gets negated too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And like her reactions to, to, you know, Jen trying to become closer 
to her made it makes me wonder if whatever relationship she had with her sister or mother were over mm. either overly stero- stereotypically feminine to the point that it's uncomfortable for her or if it's like maybe related to her grieving of her mother or is it simply just like the Dawson issue yeah yeah because she's like I think Joey has like problematic views of what yeah. girlfriendships like same-sex friendships are because she's like we don't have to be braiding our hair and putting makeup on each other right it's like that's is that what you do in your free time, Joey? Like, why do you, why are you immediately assuming that that's all Jen's going to want to do for you? I don't right. know. It's just, yeah. well, later, I mean, we, but when they have that other conversation, um, Joey kind of, they both talk about how they don't have a lot. They've never had a lot of mm-hmm. female friendships. So female. I went, right. So, female. But yeah. also Joey has a sister. And uh, so it's like interesting. It's just interesting to me that there's, there's some other elements there that definitely, uh, why, why is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Why is that? Comfortable for her. Yeah. So I just really quickly, we were talking about Dana Barada and I looked her up a little bit more. She wrote and produced for Jessica Jones, which I loved that Whoa, series. That's interesting. Oh. And hmm. that feels like a very strong departure from this episode specifically. Jessica Jones is like a pain resistant, super strong superhero <laughs> in the Marvel universe. And it's like a super dark, gritty, very like strong female character, hmm. which is the exact opposite of what we're seeing from this episode. Yeah, I, you know, there were times in this episode when I was watching it and I was just trying to think, like, if I was either a teenager watching right. this or just someone in the 90s watching this, how how I would be viewing it. And if, mm-hmm. like, like, I could see yeah. myself as a kid enjoying it, you know? Totally. And so I just, I don't know. I think us being adults now and watching it, you know, we clearly have a very different viewpoint but i think it probably you know people were rooting for this oh yeah these mm-hmm. relationships and like the storyline and i don't know and also like the mid 90s late 90s is i mean we're coming out of the grunge era but we still have kind of like a big tomboy movement i i mean maybe you guys can speak more to that than than i Stella and mal but like at least that's my memory that tomboy tomboyism was like on the rise slash in a like a big part. So maybe that's where Joey's like, she's representing the tomboy crew. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was more of a tomboy, but I had a very, very close best friend that we did fun things. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's, yeah, that's why I go back to like, she has a sister who's, we've seen her kind of be more feminine. She's showing her how to put makeup on. So I wonder if it's related to that. We also don't know much about her, her mother who passed away. So Yeah. Sure, we'll find find out later. This is where it it makes me feel as though there wasn't that much thought put into these like character beats within the themes of what they're talking about. Because at the beginning of the episode, Joey is criticizing the social norms that she later buys into by yeah. then telling Jen, like, I don't want to do girly shit with you. When it's like, clearly, Jen would know that at this point that she's not into like feminine stuff that she's buying from magazines to yeah. like, right. tell you what feminism is or femininity is, yeah. pardon me, but it's it's so half-assed, like, with these relationships and how they're actually trying to express that. So, it, mm-hmm. um, man, yeah, what a bunch of bullshit. This makes me so upset that this is, like, where we're at with these characters. I'm yeah. also just confused about the timing here. Is this, like, before they go to school? Is this the day? Is this, like, not school day? Because the, the immediate next scene is they're going to school. Yeah. So why is she working... My guess, you know, she's complaining about tips and stuff. So, like, 
I guess this is like the the day before, like the evening before, and then they're going. The ne- uh, school is the next day. Maybe? I, I just wish this show did a better job at like under about communicating its timelines because this is what yeah. we've continually been like. What is going on here? Like, are these happening at the same time? What day is it? What month is it? Like, they they always very- do establishing shots of the buildings they're going to be in before you see them in the building, yeah. which is like what every show or movie is done forever but they mm-hmm. never give us like a transitional establishment right. where we see the sun come up and the birdies fly like yeah. give us at least that so we know oh the morning has come yeah passage of time because the immediate establishing shot of the next location makes me think instantaneous we're just that's our next destination like we're here at school now I wish uh, Ari Aster, director of Hereditary, uh, would time travel and go back and direct these episodes and use the same template for his time changes yeah. where it's just like a snap yeah. and it goes from light to dark. That's so cool. Yeah. And then also do the Hereditary thing where you put naked cult members into yeah. the frame. Only subtly, though, so you when you notice it, you go, ah! Oh, and somebody's head could get knocked off, too. Yeah, they That'd could. be really cool. Imagine if the next episode is Joey uh, <laughs> using a piano wire to cut her head off that while she gets cool. possessed by a demon. <laughs> Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, lastly, before we move on to the next scene, um, anyone else appreciate Jen's face at the end of this scene? I didn't even catch it. I don't I don't think oh I caught it. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'll Describe screenshot. It. Yeah, it'll be a screenshot. She, it's like when Joey like basically agrees to be her friend. Jen, I can't describe it. Jen has the weirdest <laughs> smile grin on her face that's like really made me feel uncomfortable. Like she's like, ooh, so you want to be friends oh, with me? Yeah. That's fun. That's I funny. thought it was very silly. At Capeside High, presumably the next day, <laughs> Dawson finds Pacey thrashing through his locker angrily to find a pen. The angry boy divulges a family argument that paints Pacey as a delinquent loser and that his dad wants him out of the house. When Dawson offers him a place to crash, Pacey says he's already looking for an apartment as a permanent solution, but has no money. Dawson reminds him of the pageant cash prize and illuminating, illuminating a figurative aha light bulb of brilliance over Pacey's head, a decision might have been made. I thought it was strange that dad is just getting mad at PC about these things now that have seemingly happened, you know, maybe in the last like month or two. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna like, say, this is like the first time that we hear them refer to things that happened in previous episodes, very, very specific things. Mm-hmm, so this mm-hmm. was filmed after all of yes, those. Yes, yeah. very true. Yeah, He says his dad chewed him out for failing bio skipping school to go to Providence. <laughs> Fun one. <laughs> and then Dawson references stealing and bar or and or borrowing the family car, which is the, just the previous episode. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's because they wrote 12 episodes or they wrote 11. No, they wrote 12 episodes and they had 13 to shoot. And they're like, oh, fuck. Okay. What are the beats that we have <laughs> definitely down? Okay. Yeah. Uh, throw that in there and we'll go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like any other show when, you know, they're uh, at the beginning of the season, when they're planning out these episodes, they have to break an entire season's worth of story. And it makes me assume that the, and it's always tiny beats. Like this is where we want right. the trajectory of the mm-hmm. show to go, obviously with, you know, the relationship drama and stuff. But we know at a certain point at the beginning of the show, they're like, Pacey's going to steal his dad's car. <laughs> like that has to be a thing. And we're going to put it at this point. So at least like at the very least, we know that that was something that was solidified in their minds for Pacey as a character. Right. That. Yeah. Also, the the apartment that Pacey was looking at was $250 a month. Wow. What a time. Wowie. Yeah, it seems like, haven't they, when it shows, have we ever, I don't know, maybe this is like my, my Twin Peaks brain, but have they ever shown a sign that says, welcome to Capeside population? I don't think they have. I don't have. think so. Have they ever said anything about the population size? 
No. no. They did have an FBI agent come in and he was like, Dana, <laughs> it's February 22nd and I'm in Cape Side. I hope I find some pie. That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> yeah, that show got weird. <laughs> in the school cafeteria, Jen encourages Joey to enter the pageant since the prize money would be helpful for her higher education fantasies. Joey doesn't think she's beautiful enough, but when Jen's sincere reassurance, that same figurative, aha, light bulb of brilliance that had been over Pacey's head begins to illuminate over Joey as well. So we have a costume change here. Jen, or Joey is still wearing the same jacket, but she's got like a bright green sweater on. Mm -hmm. We've seen her wear this before. And Jen is wearing this like blue button up shirt, kind of weird. Yeah, it almost looks denim. Yeah, something or like chambray that. or yeah, something. Yeah, chambray and then a sweater. Like a dark, I thought it was like a dark. Dark. Yeah. Very, yeah, both are dark. And it yeah. feels like they're they're costuming her to blend in, right? She's wearing dark mm-hmm. clothing. She's wearing kind of like shapeless clothing, whereas in the last couple of episodes, she's been wearing that really form-fitting uh, turtleneck. She's been wearing a lot of like, you know, clothing that I would say is meant to draw the eye rather than make her disappear. So... Yeah, I feel like structurally they were both wearing their usual thing, but color-wise, yeah. Joey stuck out more Definitely. than Jen. Yeah. Did anyone notice the Antonio Banderas uh, read yes. poster in the background? Yes, yeah, that Bill was Gates. in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Bill, Gates, Bill Gates, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, they're everywhere. Same. Yeah, that that lunch line. <laughs> you yeah. keep getting that shot. Uh, as critical as I can be about this uh, beautiful girl learns that she's beautiful trope, uh, at the very least, I felt like Katie Holmes was selling this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I felt sad when yes. she would say, like, well, I'm not pretty, so I wouldn't make it in the pageant. And yeah. I did, I mean, like, again, I fucking hate that everything has to be about beauty standards and stuff because that's that's what femininity is. It's about being as beautiful as possible. So. Yeah. Jen, like having to like encourage her, I did like that's like that is sincere. I yeah. felt mm-hmm. that, so it's like I love that there is like a bond there, despite what the subject matter is. That felt nice. Yeah. Yes, I I feel like I felt, I felt even more sad on my second watch though because a- after watching, we know that Joey. So she thinks she's not pretty. Then only later sees her sees herself as pretty. Only after Dawson reveals his new feelings for her. Yeah. So then, like seeing this scene again, it just is like so sad. Yeah, and it felt really relatable, you know, just like being a girl in high school who has very low self-esteem and it yeah, just to echo Cody's point, it just felt really like genuine and sweet. Jen yeah. really like trying to like build her up and be like you're amazing. Like yeah. 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 Don't get to see that often and on TV. Yeah. She's really laying it on thick though, if I am being honest, like She's like, you're the prettiest girl in the whole wide sure. world. <laughs> Again, bad script. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really work. I, I, oh, sorry. Oh, I just, listeners out there, if you, if you can find me a piece of media where it is this trope, but it's not someone that looks like Katie Holmes and it looks like a generic, normal human being, I would love to see it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, that seems like something that would be so much more relatable to someone at home. If I was a kid, I mean, I had self-esteem issues too. Totally. But if I've if I could actually see myself in this character seeing that and then they learned like, oh, you know, your beauty doesn't have to be this like fucking bullshit facade that you're getting from the media. Right. And it, and uh, I mean, like, that's what I want to see. So listeners out there, if you have evidence, give it to me. And don't send us Ugly Betty. All right. I don't know if anybody remembers that show. I do remember that show. Mm-hmm. But she's actually a beautiful woman. They oh, made yeah, her that's, look ugly yeah, for that show, but she's disgusting. actually beautiful. Yeah. So let's not fuck around with that. I just want to see a normal person. Yeah. 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 They don't have yeah. to. Yeah, exactly. I do want to briefly complain 
about something in this episode that might be controversial, and I'm very sorry. Please don't Uh-oh. hate me or cancel me. But <sighs> all right, you guys ready? Yes. So Katie Holmes is acting in this episode drives me up a fucking wall. She does Ooh. the same thing the entire episode, and it's something that she does in every episode to a certain extent, but this episode, it feels like the director did her dirty because they're just like, yeah, just keep doing that. And mm-hmm. the, what I'm talking about is looking down and shaking her head. Yes. That's the only thing she does the entire fucking episode, and it drives me crazy because it's mm-hmm. annoying. She does it like four, five, six times in a single take, and it's like, I get it. You have low self-esteem. You've yep. got, you, you don't have self-confidence. You don't need to do this 50 times in the episode like we'll get to when she's actually singing the song what the fuck are you doing yeah it's the director fucked overboard yeah yeah Yeah. and it is like 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 you are saying we have to reiterate that it's like no fault of her own because we've seen her do this performance good but Mm -hmm. clearly the director's like yeah you gotta let the audience know that you're uncomfortable so just keep shaking your head yeah yep okay roll your eyes okay no 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 roll your eyes more Mm -hmm. no 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 really roll your eyes and she's like I can't roll them more. <laughs> Joey arrives at the Cape Side Yacht Club to sign up for the pageant, along with Jen as her coach. They find Dawson with the news crew documenting Pacey arguing with the pageant elites who argue over gender rules for pageant entrance. When Dawson takes Joey and Jen aside to catch up, Joey reveals she's signing up as a contestant. Dawson goes on to hurt her feelings by being a condescending prick, mocking her and saying it isn't her. Even though she, he apologizes, Joey says it still hurts such a prick i capped his little uh when he's first approaches jen and joey and jen walks away let's take a listen to how much of an asshole this guy is <laughs> very funny <laughs> you doing some kind of expose for the paper get out what an asshole okay such so an asshole also maybe controversial opinion here i i think I don't know. I can see where they're both coming from. Like if I'm Dawson and I am Joey's best friend, I know Joey, this isn't something Joey would do. Mm-hmm. And so I understand where he's coming from sure. and that he is really taken aback and isn't taking it seriously. And to be fair, she never, she never tells him like, I really need like in a sincere way before this right. argument, like I really am thinking about doing this because I really need the money. Yeah. I just, it's, it's interesting to me that, so Dawson's very proud of Pacey, right? For quote, blowing the gender gap wide open. But this isn't something Pacey would normally do. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. he goes and laughs at Joey for entering because of his presumption that this is this isn't her thing. When really, like, there's more to it than just the beauty part of it. Yeah, you know, there well, are always two ways to yeah. react to news, and he exactly. chose the route to mock her instead of. I mean, because that surprise is genuine, and I completely understand totally. him being like, "What the fuck?" Because it is weird that Joey wants to do it. But he could have been like, whoa, really? Why? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the reason that it's so bad is because of Joey's reaction. Let's take a listen. Joey Potter entering a beauty pageant. This is classic. Oh, I see. You think I'm such a barking car chaser that a D student with a Julius Caesar haircut has a better shot than me? Thanks a lot. <laughs> but I mean, like, she, Dawson is her best friend. He knows presumably that she has low self-esteem. She doesn't have very much self-confidence that she doesn't view herself as like a traditionally beautiful girl, right? He would know that if it's your best friend, you would kind of know that implicitly, even if you've never had that conversation. So why the fuck does he go about this? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like the dentist system to me. It does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love barking car chaser though. So that's funny. <laughs> I, I, well, I love that. Please call me I, that. 
I'm so glad Joey pointed out the Julius Caesar haircut because yeah. <laughs> that is spot on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for Pacey. Yeah, I will Hilarious. give props to at least like this kind of sounds like a writer sowing seeds to be dug up later. But the fact that Dawson is telling Joey, it's so not you. And that's the facade that he falls for yeah. allows yeah. her to later be like, well, obviously you're not falling for me. You're falling for the facade that you had told me that I am. Right. So right. at least there's that, but that's all I can give it props for. Yep. I just had a thought. Do you think that Joey saying that, you know, she's a, a barking car chaser is cross promotion for DMX's album coming out? <laughs> do you, yeah. Do you think that after this, because they do cut, but after that she goes, arr, 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 arr. <laughs> you know what? Yes. <laughs> you think DMX watched Dawson's Creek? Oh, definitely. It feels like it would be right up his alley. Uh, I don't know what DMX stands for, but it possibly could be Dawson MX. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it is. I really hope that that's what it, it stands for. It's not, but that would be great. <laughs> Listeners, write us in. Okay. <laughs> Let's go eat some donuts. Yeah, all right. We're going to go bark Actually, some lunch, dogs. too. <laughs> Bye. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us. If you are enjoying our Wet n Wild show, please consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. If you've already subscribed, we would love for you to give us a rating. It only takes a few seconds and can make a huge difference in helping us grow. All right, folks, back to the show. And we're back. In a contestant waiting room, Pacey catches up with ex-Capeside Boarding School one percenter turf, Hannah, as the pageant host welcomes them with an info dump. God, I don't even know what to say about this. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, you're a writer for Dawson's Creek, and what do you do with all these storylines with the A plot, B plot, C plot? They all kind of have to parallel each other a little bit, and I mm-hmm. guess what they're trying to aim for is the grass is always greener right. because we get into this thing about how they both, you know, wish they had each other's lives. Uh, does not work for me. Hannah sucks and not yeah. many redeeming qualities about her. No. Uh, they really, but the only thing I will say is that they do have good chemistry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I buy that Pacey and Hannah know each other from way back when, and that there's some kind of cool story here, you know, like mm-hmm. I wanted to know more about mm-hmm. them. So on the one hand, it's a successful scene for that. Like I felt invested in this character, but then even within the scene, and as we see later, I hate her. I don't want to see more of her because she seems really like mean. The worst. She's a mean girl. Judgmental. She provides a lot of evidence to not root for her as a person. Totally. Which is then so confusing when we get to that scene way later in the episode Mm -hmm. where they're trying to redeem her in a way. So it's just like you didn't. You, you went way too hard on making her a bad guy to try to then make her okay in the end. Yeah. I try not to look at IMDb, uh, well, A, because it's a cesspool for neckbeards, and B, because I don't want any spoilers for how long a character is going to be on a show. Mm-hmm. Did, ooh, did anyone happen to see if she's like going to be a regular for any I reason? didn't even no. look. Or is she a Mary Beth? I have no, a feeling I she's, she's a Mary Beth. Beth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. She doesn't Damn it. seem like, I mean, because she goes to boarding school, doesn't seem like she'd be someone that returns. I see, look, I, I agree, but I could imagine a, 
Mm -hmm. Uh, a character arc is like oh her family doesn't have enough money to send her to boarding school anymore so now the rich girl has to go to public school with everybody else or Mm, as as she mentions in a later scene which maybe i should save this for then but her parents don't like her she's the fuck up of the family so maybe they pull her out of boarding school because they're like you can't even win a fucking miss windjammer contest you gotta go Mm -hmm. to the pleb school that's true stella and i have like nine children now and uh when all of them failed to get the windjammer they got the boot well, you know, on the subject of Mary Beths, uh, you know who's not a Mary Beth? The band Chicken Pox, <laughs> because they made another appearance in this episode, in this scene, with this song. Get in the pit! Get up, get up, get up! So, yeah, I don't want oh, to see a pretty face. Oh, we don't get to hear the lyrics? <laughs> pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. This is interesting because she she's actually very pretty. This actress is very pretty. She yeah. to me they made her look look. They kind of did her up like she resembled Ingrid Bergman in my opinion, but um like a Hollywood classic um starlet. She's so, got that hairdo. Yeah, yeah, they they gave her that hairdo, but she also like in I I thought she kind of resembled her in the face, but mm-hmm. um but she's the worst. Yeah. So. The worst. Yeah. So just I not I, attractive. <laughs> I did uh, capture that dialogue uh, as I as I wrote it down, um, just so everyone knows how how problematic this is. Yeah. You know, I never figured you for a pre-op transsexual, but now that I think about it, evening gowns, high heels. Yep. Pacey responds. I assure you, my sexuality is intact. I'm not the one taking showers at an all-girls school. That's cool. Yeah, why did Kevin Williamson let this fly? <laughs> why? Well, I product you know, of the time. It's a product of the time. Yeah. So that's exactly it's, what I was going to so say. Bad. Because I remember this kind of like transphobic joke that was always in the sphere around men doing non-masculine things. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily this specific joke, but I just remember this as a theme of male ridicule. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Yeah. I mean, just the gay panic in all '90s yeah. media was absurd. Yeah. And it's disappointing that it is prevalent here when we have a queer creator. Yeah, I don't understand why he would allow that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe this is a product of Dana Barada. (laughs) But I I feel like she wouldn't be like, yeah, can we really get a gay panic joke in here? I really want to make sure that the gays don't feel okay. It's Williamson is I mean, he's the showrunner. He would have seen the final script. So it's like. He saw and said, yeah, sure. I mean, this is normal sounding. This is funny. I mean, if it, again, I mean, we've talked about it before. Just because a character says and does bad things does yeah. not mean the show itself is trying sure. to say that those things are good. It's really more about the yeah. character. So we are at least, at the very least, the show is not saying these things are good. It's evidence to show that she is a shitty person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Even though she's maybe quote pretty she's a shitty person yeah exactly so it's like that contrast of yeah uh but even then it's like if you are the head of uh a form of media that continues to project things that are very violent for queer mm. people it's like why like don't mm-hmm. allow that like mm-hmm. you're part you, of the problem you don't need that to totally. be a plot point in your show 
I'm guessing that the reason, the other reason they did this is to kind of back up what they were talking about in scene two, where they're like, this is just the upper crust being fucking shitty people and just kind of like enjoying the smell of their own farts. You know, it's like they're, they're just using Hannah as a way to be like, well, we don't have any one percenters. So let's use her and load her up so we can all understand the upper crust in Cape side sucks, which yeah, yeah, cool. And again, for loving Joey, because she does specifically say this is this pageant is racist, classist, yeah, um, and sexist. So, mm-hmm. but at least we got chicken pox. <laughs> That's true. I, I think it's interesting that we haven't seen more of these types of characters since it is, you know, kind of like this coastal town where there is money, money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like I would. I don't know. I would think. I mean, Cl- I don't know. I can't really tell if Cliff is kind of in that category, but it well, seems house looks like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <his> house is <laughs> crazy. Um, but yeah, I just I feel like me, I don't know if we'll ever get more characters mm. kind of like this that are just more like stuck yeah. up and have yeah. that kind of like East Coast preppy yeah. energy. Someone that sticks around more than just these few we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel I like wonder. the closest we have is actually Dawson, who is yeah very obviously wealthy mm-hmm. in my yeah. opinion. Um, but he's not like the stuck up type that, yeah, we're, yeah. that we're usually accustomed to with like the, you know, the fucking like sweater tied mm-hmm. around their neck type that Dawson would be. Yeah. At Jen's house, she teaches Joey how to walk in heels. Flustered, Joey questions Jen's intentions with coaching her since they've been arch rivals up until now. Jen lets her know that she doesn't have a lot of girlfriends and gets the vibe that Joey doesn't either. And she brings up how they need to work on Joey's self-esteem issues as well. At least they talked about it. Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see this conversation, you know, between them. I was hoping that this, well, I should say, I am hoping that this is the beginning of the end of Joey, the looking down and rolling her eyes at everything character and that we're going to start to see her come out of her shell a little bit, start to develop some self-confidence. And, you know, I don't, I don't actually believe it's going to happen, but like, let's hope because goddamn. Mm-hmm. But why did it take this? Why did they use this storyline? It's annoying to me. Yeah. This was, yeah. Really gross. Did you get the quote from Jen where she says, your perception of me is almost as misguided as your perception of yourself? Okay. Well, there, there it is. <laughs> yeah. So that was notable. Yeah. I, I mean... Again, comparing themselves to each other, showing how yeah. similar they are, how they're basically in the same position mm-hmm. on, you know, other sides of this fence. Um, this is an interesting, uh, you know, my tracking of the costuming for this episode. This is a uh, maybe perhaps a wrinkle here because Joey's wearing this weird blue and white long sleeve shirt. Very 90s. It's blue on the top and then white on the underside of the mm-hmm. sleeves and from the chest down. Very cool shirt. Else had a white uh, yeah. like hem, you know, collar. And then Jen is just wearing like this brown long sleeve shirt. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what we're supposed to get there, but well, so Joey's also wearing a skirt that is completely yes, like yeah. A so that's skirt, I think that is like because she's in heels. Like Jen's like, oh, you put a you should put a skirt on while you're like practicing walking yeah. in heels. Um, the blue sweater. So yeah. the next scene. Uh, with where we'll see Pacey singing with the and there's a, a figurehead of a woman that, you know, the figureheads that go on a ship. She's also wearing blue, the figurehead. So I thought maybe there was a connection there, but I don't know. I don't know. At Dawson's, Pacey practices singing for Dawson and his dad, Mitch. 
Mitch gives him an earful on how Pacey might become an accidental political activist by challenging social stereotypes. Meanwhile at Jen's, the girls stare out a window facing Dawson's house as they bizarrely contemplate each other's relationship statuses with Dawson, where Joey admits to feeling like she was meant to live in Dawson's friend zone forever. Meanwhile at the Leary's, Dawson admits to feeling as though Joey is avoiding him. Pacey reiterates how Dawson needs to figure out exactly what his relationship with Joey is, but Dawson describes a romantic relationship with her would feel incestuous. And Pacey hits him with a, so you don't want her, but you don't want her else hour either. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't really enjoying this episode up until this point. Um, and then... Where the women stare out the window and talk about Dawson. So, yeah, I feel like that's <sighs> yeah, when that it really bad. takes a dive. Like, I feel like the next few scenes get real weird yeah. and just awful. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, so Pacey's here singing, right? And he's, he's standing in front of the fireplace. And like I said, I was just mentioning there's a figurehead. Um, that is a new object in their house because I have never seen it before. Right. I checked back, um, and it's wearing blue, and it has you know it's like the like the figureheads that go on the front mm-hmm. of ships. Um, and I kind of saw it as like, is this like commentary on women as object? Mm. Or also in the next scene, we see Jen and Joey peeking out the window in the same sort of like totally. like uh, yeah, yeah. pose, uh, pose stance, yeah. Uh, stance, and they're looking out at Dawson's house, and right. this figurehead's kind of looking out, and Joey, again, is wearing blue, which is what the figurehead yeah. is wearing. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was... That's cool. Um, I didn't catch that. Kind of an interesting parallel That's there. very interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence there to yeah. Yeah. suggest that. But I, again, I don't want to give this episode any credit at all. Right. No, it's I know. It's so just, it could just be random. Yeah. Um, while hey. I'm while I'm on the fashion note, uh, Pacey's wearing a velvet green yeah. button-up shirt, and Dawson's wearing a very cozy-looking fluffy maroon sweater. So they were both looking stylish. So look, I I have to jump in here, and I have to say some things. Um, first, let's listen to this clip. Start spreading the news. Da, 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 da. I'm leaving today. After this, Mitch Leary is like, Pacey, is there anything else you can do? So what I got to say here, that's perfectly fine singing. It almost sounds exactly like the original. But they're pretending like it's a vomit-inducing mess, like it's Gigi Allen coming in here and taking a dump on stage. Yeah, it just wasn't bad. It was not bad whatsoever, (laughs) and I really, 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 really am trying not to, like, tear Katie Holmes is singing apart when she sings on my own. But this logic does not continue to when we get to that scene. And Katie Holmes sings a different version of this song that does not sound particularly great or close to the original. And everybody is moved to tears. Mm-hmm. So what the fuck? We have entered yeah, into fuck? Superman's bizarro world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe we're still in the dream sequence from last episode. <laughs> Because Joey falls asleep on the bed and she thinks that there's a serial killer out to hunt her and now she's at a beauty pageant? What the fuck is happening here? Yeah, I enjoyed Pacey singing. Me too. There's nothing wrong with it. I want to hear him sing on my own. Me too. Yeah. On my own. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, so we have a Mitch here separate from Gail. And this is, I think this is like maybe the first episode we've had them just separate the whole time. We get to see them in... Separate, yeah, separately, totally. yeah, which is kind of refreshing. And is my memory correct that he's smoking a pipe? 
No. Is no. he like chewing on glasses or he's no? I swear he's doing something like that. Maybe I'm just crazy. He's just that's, got that mouth. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, he has that mouth. I'm like, gotta kiss it. <laughs> so, okay. oh, oh, go ahead. I'm. I was actually going to move to the to yeah, episode or scene ten. It, oh yeah, because like we've talked about, this show has some issues with the Bechtel test, and this scene is the most egregious example of it. I was very very angry watching this, as I'm sure everybody mm-hmm. was. Um, why? Why? That's my note. Why? Why? Not <laughs> only why is this happening, but also she is, Jen is like nose to the glass <laughs> and Joey is like directly over her shoulder. How comfortable could this possibly be? You can almost hear how close she is to the glass in the audio because it sounds like it's fucking bouncing <laughs> off the glass. It's so it's like bad. A cat and what yeah. is this fucking conversation? Yeah. Bizarre is what it is. I, the thing that, <laughs> Uh, if you're a writer, the whole thing is like show, don't tell. And for, for the most part, this episode, at least they're doing something. that's like there's yeah. a pageant. So we're talking about the themes with them being actively involved in it. But with this, it's like, how about we just stand and stare at his house and just talk explicitly yeah. about where our relationship status is with this boy. Yeah. The only thing it's is that bonkers. like, the only thing is that, like, Joey says that she feels like the friend zone is meant for her and Dawson. Right. And then right away, we, Dawson then in the confirms. next scene confirms what she said. But it's just like the setup was just so odd. Well, and it's like earlier in the episode, they talk about how the wedge of Dawson is now yeah. not right. between them. Yeah. But clearly but it, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's all they're fucking doing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it made me very angry yeah. me too when uh during our last commercial break we went and ate some snacks and uh james had been talking about king giz's uh new system of yes. writing and recording and how the band members would each uh take time to like write their own line and then they combine right. that i feel like this is what they did for the writer's room they got like 12 people involved you're like <laughs> everyone's allowed to write one line of dialogue and let's totally. just throw it in yeah i just how about you and dawson who? <laughs> I and I, I understand it's a TV show. Look, I get it. You know, not everything is reality, especially in drama. But the just this setup of this scene of two, I mean, new friends. Let's call them that. But they're they're friends talking to each other without looking at each other and just staring <laughs> longingly at the boy next door's house is offensive. That is fucking stupid. These characters are not fucking fembots from Austin Powers. No. They're the only like the only Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I can think of is that in there is an like an antiquated feeling to Dawson's Creek that feels like big Douglas Cirque melodramas of the 1950s. Like, uh, you know, the lenses allow, you know, the, the brightness of lamps to like shine right. a little, you know, fuzzier and it's kind of cozy and like all that stuff. And almost soap opera, but not quite. Yeah, exactly. And, and, the only thing that I can think of is like in those movies and like big romance melodramas yeah. in the fifties, like people would just stand and talk right. like they'd be at the camera and mm-hmm. people would face like, it's not realistic, Sure, but this, it feels like this is the only time that everyone's been like that explicit with an homage to those type of melodramas that it would make any sort of sense for these characters to ever do that outside of like, I guess like a regular form of realism that they've already done where they've established that these are regular teenagers that kind of talk uh, right. in a stylized way. This seems like they just went straight to the deep end, but it still is so weird. And mm-hmm. does like, if they wanted to do that, do what they did with the scare and yeah. make it an entire episode where the theme is like visually supposed to be 
like for the scare, it was a horror movie. So why not th- make this entire episode the melodrama where everyone is doing kind of like stage performances and having people like face the camera together and yeah, yeah. It the only it, it's insane. Look, maybe you, this is totally fucking. I don't know. I'm pulling this out of my ass. It's been a long time since I've seen Pretty Woman, the alternate title for this episode. Mm-hmm. Is there a scene somewhere in there where Julia Roberts is talking to her new friend about how much she loves Richard Gere and they're longingly staring at his house? Is there any way this is a reference to Pretty Woman? It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I don't, re- I, don't I don't remember, remember that. Because that she's not there. It's not like the majority of the movie is like she's already with him. Right. So like, I don't think she's with her friend. It's only like a very short time at the beginning, I think. So, yeah, it's just I don't. I mean, oh, no. it, maybe you're right. It's probably just a nod to the feeling that we're supposed to get from this. But goddamn, it is really hard. It was really hard. I mean, even then, it's a stretch. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. just trying to find something to hold on to. But then over at Dawson's place, we get the confirmation, like you already said, uh, Mal, that, that Dawson just, yeah, he'll never see Joey that way. But he will. Wink, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pacey is kind of like, okay, so... You just don't want anybody else to have her. You want her to exist for you exclusively, but you're never going to fulfill anything with her. And Sounds also, right. um, I think it's this scene, yeah, where where Pacey makes a joke about them kissing. Yeah, right. And then, right. It is the scene. After naked. And, and he was like, no, just kidding. Yeah, so Dawson still doesn't know that they I, actually kissed. To me, he was, uh, the joke was like another, was like an like a mm. more recent, he's like joking about something that may be happened more recently. That's how mm. I read it. But I don't know. But I Either still way, think it I was still, know. it was still up in the air whether Dawson even picked up on like if, it, if they even right. kissed kiss at all. So I think, yeah, I think you're on the right track where and he still doesn't know. This is the scene where, where Pacey says, oh, finally, maybe we can all go home now. Isn't that in this moment? Yes. Yeah. Because he's like, because he's missing Joey in this moment. Yeah. And Pacey's like, oh, finally, you've confronted the reality of your feelings. And Dawson's like, oh, no, no, it would be incestuous if I ever had any feelings for her. Like, yeah, on, yeah. Dude. Can't also, we just end the show now? Just accept it. Can't you just leave? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird also that Dawson is like, yeah, I like, miss being, like, when she's not uh, around, I miss her. It's like, yeah. What? It's been a day? Yeah. Since, like, what? Since you had that disagreement? Right. What if Joey's a ghost <laughs> and she's actually missing? She's dead. That's why Dawson misses her so much. The serial killer did kill her. Um, and we're seeing a ghost Joey being helped by Jen's spirit. I don't know. I'll have to workshop that one, but I do think Joey might be a ghost right now. Well, we have talked about how this is probably a part of David Lynch's Twin Peaks universe. True. And uh, I had been, because re- I'm obsessed with Twin Peaks The Return, I've been reading that, the remember in the later episodes of that uh, series, there's that man in the jail cell who's covered in blood right. and all he does is repeat what other people say. Mm-hmm. Right. No one ever acknowledges him. So something I've read is that, oh, he's dead and no one else can see him. Ooh. And it's mm. a part of like people being in the in-between of that world. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you if there is a twist that Joey's been dead the entire time, <laughs> it would make so much more sense. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> if only. But also, please don't kill off the best character of the show. Oh, that too. The next day, Dawson's crew is conducting filmed interviews of the pageant contestants. We get an earful from an actual nice person, Roberta Crump, Hell as yeah. <laughs> Hannah gives Pacey shit for practicing his talent, a magic show. 
Once it's finally Joey's turn for an interview, she half-asses it until the topic of her vision for the future is brought up. She monologues about eventually moving away from Capeside, striking a chord with Dawson. She digs deeper about how everything changes eventually, rubbing it in to remind both Dawson and the audience that friendships, like life itself, is impermanent, giving us all a deep dish of existential dread. Okay, this is also where we get some really problematic yes, dialogue indeed. from. Yeah. I don't think we ever get a name for this contestant. No. But Ooh. we see her. Was it? But she has long blonde hair. She's, okay. the, she's the incumbent uh, pageant winner because oh, earlier right. it showed her on the stage when the pageant uh, okay. lady, I don't know, who, whoever runs the pageant, Matron. was like introducing the yeah. festivities. She was already standing on stage wearing the. the, the okay, yeah. so she, the, like, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. But yeah, very, very problematic. Can we get more characters named? Please tell us your name and something about yourself. I'm Roberta Crump. Mm. I'm a senior at Cape Side. Um, I, have- I love this character. <laughs> oh, she's so she's nice. She's so cool and nor- she seems just like reasonable and I'm so glad she wins. And that's the later. best name this show yeah. could come up with. Roberta Crump. Fuck yeah. And I feel like they are at least, you know, speaking to what we've already talked about it. Like, I wish like a normal looking person would be like, that's what this episode should have been about. Like Roberta Crump uh, is like a legit, talented, nice, kind person who is intelligent and very good at the piano. Yeah. Uh, So really cool that guess what? She does win. But we uh, we don't even. Yeah, we don't even celebrate it. No, I wish we had more of her. Yeah. Yeah, She looks like a normal human being. Okay, so. I'd like to read what this blonde lady says. I'd like to study early education or help with children with special needs. And then like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. so like, okay. <laughs> like, I don't think you do want to help those people. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. You're, you seem, I don't know. I don't know if I trust you lady. <laughs> I mean, while the, the, it's obviously problematic language, I feel like to the point, like, I think they were very specific in having her use that language for yes. us, the audience to be like, wow, she totally sucks. <laughs> But I also wonder, because I remember in the 90s, the R word, which is what we're yeah. talking about here, she uses it very strongly, um, was very common to mm-hmm. use. And it almost makes me think that, like, they weren't trying to make her seem terrible, because that's a very modern view of that exchange. Because mm-hmm. back then, I don't know that people, they would have just been like, oh, okay. I mean, they would have been like, she's airheaded and maybe, like, ditzy, but I don't think they would have been, I don't know, what do you, like... I think it was common, but vulgar. Right. Like, yes, I don't definitely. think it was ever like, yeah. I, people freely use that sure. word, but I don't think anyone ever thought it was like, okay. Right. It just got worse over time to be like, wow, that is actually really fucked up and we shouldn't just like let yeah. people freely use that word. You're right. They're probably, I'm sure that even in the time it was, uh, despite the fact that maybe people used it, they were probably like, oh, yeah. Like if you were in fifth grade, you use that word all the time right. because it was yeah. uh, vulgar and it was like a curse word that you felt like you could get away right. with saying. Because it wasn't a real swear word like fuck. Yeah. Which I, is oh, as so real scary. as it gets. <laughs> uh, this is my favorite part of this scene. You here to see the great Pasadini pull a rabbit out of his hat? Mm, magic act. How appropriately juvenile of you. I just like to say fuck Hannah, but the great Pasadini is a <laughs> really good magician. Cool. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Did you. Uh, Earlier, I talked about how obnoxious this music is. Did you happen to cap any of Joey's monologue? Because the music behind it is like peak awfulness. Um, it, it sounds like a Hallmark movie turned up to 10. It is so weird. I did not get... I got a different monologue later. I did get Joey's speech that she says at the end, you know, at the the, mm-hmm. the like 
the final interview question. I got that one, but sure. I didn't get this one here. Yeah. Either way, it's probably the, the exact same yeah. music. The There's music, just... yeah, it's just like that tinkly, tinkly, like like a hotel lobby pianist music. That's how it starts. But then it becomes like no joke third act gone with the wind sweeping orchestral oh, wow. notes like it is like dun, dun, dun. <laughs> wow. i completely blocked that out <laughs> oh for good reason your brain will shut down if you hear that i also thought it was funny that so like joey's talking about where she sees herself in the future and it's all these examples of her traveling the world yeah and and dawson is so shocked and yeah. my thought mm-hmm. was aren't you best friends wouldn't you talk about i don't know your goals or things you want to do with your life and he's mm-hmm. just like completely shocked that yeah you know, yeah she wants to do all these things yeah his reaction is like oh i mean i know you talked about wanting to leave cape side but i just figured you meant like to the house down the street i didn't <laughs> yeah, really yeah. think you were gonna leave you dumb idiot like you couldn't ever do anything fuck you dawson you shithead well what what do we know about dawson i mean his whole his whole perception of life is only through the idea of cinema and what right. he what he thinks uh, life is supposed to be based on the entertainment that he's watched. So I don't think him and Joey are even like they're just acquaintances at yeah. best. Like they do not have a best friendship. He only calls her a best friend because he's like, well, in the movies and TV shows I watch, there's always a character yeah. that has a best friend, mm. and who's the person I spend a lot of time with? It's Joey. So she's my best friend. But they've never actually right. talked. There's only been like two or three scenes so far in this entire season where he's like actually talked about heavier things, be it yeah. like his relation, his parents' relationship disintegrating over Softy Bob, or um, well, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. But I know that they've like had yeah. maybe two conversations. But for the fact that this is the first time that he's ever been like, wait, you want to move and do things with your life? Yeah. Wait, you're not just going to exist in my shadow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of existing in shadows, we are going to go um, find a corporate sponsor to uh, ride their coattails. Bye. Hey, you creek freaks. Stella here. Did you know the number one way you can help us grow is by telling your friends about the show? New shows like ours thrive on the power of word of mouth, which is why I'm here now asking you to please tell a friend about Freaks and Creeks. They don't even need to watch Dawson's Creek. It sure didn't stop us. Thanks for listening and for sharing the good word. Now back to the episode. And we're back. And it's the night of the pageant. While Jen helps Joey prepare, she gives her advice to rub some Vaseline on her teeth. Elsewhere, Dawson finds Pacey dressing up in a broom closet. As Dawson helps him, Pacey wonders out loud if this whole thing was a rotten idea. But Dawson lifts his spirit and offers the same Vaseline advice. <laughs> what? I did not know about this trick. Okay, so this is actually the the app. This is this is wrong. So <laughs> they're not. They don't put Vaseline on to keep the lips from sticking to the teeth. It's the the whole thing with the Vaseline. It's on. It goes on the teeth to help to avoid having lipstick stick to your teeth, ah. not to avoid having your teeth, your lips sticking to your teeth. Ah. <laughs> I don't know what where that got twisted, but yeah. So That's it's funny that like Dawson's like, yeah, this is what they say, but it doesn't make sense for Pacey because he's not wearing lipstick. Right. <laughs> well, I thought I thought it was just like his mom being yes. funny. Right. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's comp. Maybe they're 
thinking that the audience is smart enough to know the true thing about Vaseline and lipstick. And the joke is that these kids are stupid mm. and don't know what they're talking about. Kids be so stupid. I don't know. Kids be so stupid these days. I capped this. What do you guys think about it? I think you've got testicles of steel for doing this. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. I love it. Heard balls of steel, but testicles of steel really rolls off the tongue. It really does. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Lame gay joke to throw in there. I mean, I know they like mm-hmm. tried to act like they didn't make it, but they still made the gay joke, you know, like, gay panic yet again. Certainly did. Yep. And yeah, the only redeeming factor for this scene was I did think it was kind of like cute slash charming when Dawson handed Pacey the Vaseline and he's like, I have no idea what this is for. <laughs> yeah. That felt authentic and real. Like that was a cute moment between friends. Especially after seeing Jen and Joey have this, yeah. this similar interaction with the Vaseline. That was, I thought it was kind of funny. It is annoying that we kind of keep seeing the same thing happen twice, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to see the this. The mirroring, but. yeah. Uh, we've uh, we've discussed at length about the true intentions of Dawson with pretty much every beat of this entire show. Do we think Dawson is actually being supportive because he cares about Pacey and hopes that he might win this pageant? Or is he just caring more about his news segment and wants it to be good? The news, I think it's the, I think he's excited about the news segment. I wonder, though, because he is like, if you win, this will be on the national media. But then he's also CNN. understanding that Pacey has no chance in winning. So it feels a little bit like, yes, it is for the media, but it's also for the experience of it or just the humor of it. Like maybe he finds mm-hmm. it funny. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And also going back to that scene uh, it, when they're at school, when Pacey's talking about his issues with his dad. Mm hmm. I feel like there's a moment where Dawson looks pretty like surprised or like yeah. saddened by yeah. the news. So yeah. I, I feel like he is trying to help PC yeah. in some regard. Maybe. He, yeah. He mm-hmm. does look sincere when he offers him a place to stay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. The evening portion of the pageant begins and it's a fashion eyesore <laughs> worth gouging one's eyes out to never see again. When Joey hits the stage, the music informs us that this is a transcendently beautiful moment. And Dawson salivates. Backstage, Pacey gives Jen some dumper's remorse flack as she clearly sees Dawson's excitement over Joey's evening wear. When Pacey hits the stage, the crowd erupts in earth-shattering applause. Yeah, I love the moment that Joey walks out and Dawson's like, damn, I gotta get on this camera. Like, get out of here, cameraman. I gotta take over. She's like, dude, the fuck? And then at the same time, as soon as Joey's done, he's just like, fuck it. And he just leaves. There's nobody manning the camera anymore, Dawson. What the fuck? Let's talk about the evening wear for a second. I here. love Joey's yeah. dress. Well, so before Joey comes out, we see a lot of a lot of other evening wear. We've got lots of dangly beads and rhinestones, yes. <laughs> bright purples and blues. Then Joey comes out, which and her her dress is starkly different than everyone Very. else's. Um, she's wearing it's I think it was black or maybe like a dark plum draped velvety dress with like a paisley pattern, yeah. and it's more like form, kind of like flowy. Um, so she she definitely stands out among the rest. Uh, they also announce her as Josephine. Josephine not Potter, so not herself. You know, very much so. Yeah, where's her family? Dead. Where's her sister? Question. Working like, at the ice house. Just 
makes me really sad that no one's there to like for her, her family support. Her. Also, um, I thought it was interesting when that we we see the shot, the camera shot of Dawson recording her. We see like the little record, which is usually usually we're seeing Jen through his camera. Mm. He's ogling mm. ogling Jen through his camera normally. This mm-hmm. time he's seeing Joey. Yeah, yeah. Yas Queen. All the Joey's the only one that looks good. All the other women look like Loixana Troy from Star mm. Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> yes. yes, very Love over that. the top. I liked Roberta Crump's outfit. I don't remember it. What Very was it? Very understated. I think it was like a blue, like dark blue velvet. And then it had like, it was like right. lined with like very tiny rhinestones. Yeah. It was, it was tasteful. And had like yeah. little silver rhinestone straps. straps. Yeah. Did you say blue velvet? <laughs> blue velvet. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I had the Monica Bellucci dream again. <laughs> He's back. And she, she wasn't very made up. So I appreciated that too. She was, you know, just that normal girl, but she's still like, yeah. yeah. Also, I thought that it was weird. We get when we're seeing like a close up shot of Dawson, who's mm-hmm. watching Joey. We also get a close up shot of Gail, yes, intensely yeah. watching Joey. Yeah. I was like, why, why this? Because Joey's becoming a woman before my very eyes. Maybe yeah. Joey's kind of like the daughter she doesn't yeah. have. Kind of, you know, they but, they've grown up together, so she probably sees Joey as. Joey as also a did call her shit on the cheating, though. Yeah. They, they, I don't know. They think I imagine that, that they're establishing these relationships as like they've been friends for so long. Like yes. I've, yeah. I've had friends growing up, like uh, where yeah, I this is this even hard to believe <laughs> for me, but I have friends. What was that like? <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, but I, when I think of like my friend Sam, for instance, like we've been friends since second grade. So his parents very, are so close that I feel like they're like parents. Uh, numero dos. Right. So I feel like mm-hmm. the same thing with Joey. If they've known each other forever, then I'm sure for Gail, it's like, oh, it's like my half daughter. Almost. Yeah. Right. Also, like, was her. Well, do you... uh, oh. sorry. Wait, no, blue velvet. I was just saying. Also, is and again, it's very refreshing to see Gail separate from Mitch and yes. doing her own thing. Just you know, she's there helping out, judging whatever. But it was just, it's just nice to see them like. Yeah, I mean, I get Aside why they're show, like I get I get that they have a close relationship, but I just thought it was weird to, for it to be in the same kind of like montage of like seeing Dawson have this moment where he's like seeing Joey, and then we we go and see Gail, who's also seeing Joey. I don't know because well, she's like a funny juxtaposition. She's part of it. She's a. I think she's a judge. Yeah. Yeah. So so and we we do see her later. You know, I like there's some interaction with her and and like in the context of her as being a judge, but also, so I don't know. I think it kind of fits in mm. to that. I do think it's a weird shot to your point. Oh. So I, I it, it felt <laughs> weird because I, maybe it's the, maybe I'm also conflating this with the song portion, but there's like tears in her eyes. Yes. Yeah. The song, I think she's crying during the song yes. as everyone is. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I think they're just playing into this, <laughs> yeah. like, Oh, that Joey's always been a tomboy, but I wish she would, you know, yeah. Yeah. maybe, in oh her, my God. maybe in her eyes, it's like, I knew that she could one day be a beautiful person yeah. if oh. she just tried a little harder. I knew she wasn't some ugly troll that she normally <laughs> looks like. <laughs> this really is leaning into being like, you can be beautiful if you try hard enough. Wow, you're not yeah. too tall. <laughs> you can walk in heels. <laughs> I liked Pacey talking to Jen. And yeah, he's giving her a little bit of shit, but then he has this little sweet moment here. Tell me, is it the possibility of losing him to somebody else that suddenly makes him seem so attractive? You really think that I'm that shallow, huh? No. I think you're that human. Loved that. Mm-hmm. Loved that moment. It was so, yeah. It's really sweet. It was very sweet. And, and we don't often get to see Pacey and Jen interacting. So, totally. Yeah. 
And Jenna's, uh, during the pageant, she's wearing all black. Yes. Mourning the death Morning. of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So let's, can we talk about Jen's motivations here? She's doing this mm-hmm. to glow up Joey so that Dawson sees her. Is that like subconsciously? Pacey's, that's like his point, right? right? That's kind of the point he's making. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. the point that, but so like that's, that's her, um, that's like her, sorry, that's not her subconscious motivation. That's like her exterior motivation. That's what she's doing. She's trying to glow up Joey so that Dawson finally sees her. What's her subconscious motivation? Why is she actually doing this? To sabotage herself? <sighs> I don't know. It's weird. I honestly, I mean, yeah, that from the top I said, like, that's the worst part of this entire episode, but also show f- season one. Yeah. The worst thing is Jen's character because it doesn't make any so, fucking yeah. sense. Mm-mm. Like she, I mean, we do understand that she is having this, uh, the push and pull of her wanting to be an independent person that doesn't rely on having to be in a relationship yeah. for her to feel like she is um, needed. She wants to be on her own, but she does have a thing for Dawson or whatever the right. fuck. But we never get to see why. We never get to see anything really challenging that other than the fact that she's gone on a couple weird dates with Cliff. There. And that Billy has come in and out of her life. But there's mm-hmm. actually no point in which we see that she has a turn and wants to be with Dawson. Right. And there's real, there's no actual v- tangible motivation for any of her actions. It is just preposterous. Other than, yeah. like I've said earlier, maybe this is the most nuanced show and it's just going way over my head. And this is more of an Ingmar Bergman film <laughs> than just a shitty melodrama for teenagers. I don't know. Yeah. But Jen here, it does not make any sense. Like, either way, she loses. And if she is self-sabotaging, I guess that you could say something to that. But other other than that, I don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. And especially when we just had this scene where Joey, sorry, where Jen says something to the effect of, like, the entire time I was dating Dawson, I was worried that he was going to realize how beautiful you were. And then she helps her. So why the fuck are you doing this? Right. Self-sabotage, sure. But then... Even in the moment, she's realizing this is the wrong choice. So it's, it's, I understand the writing convenience of it. It's a great plot idea, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Using. As one of the only saving graces of this episode, we're treated to an unhinged montage of contestant talents and Q&As to Goldfinger's Superman, <laughs> made famous from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. We get a taste of five-star performances involving acting contortionism piano playing as well as pacey doing some wretched sort of stand-up comedy thing as the montage concludes pacey asks gail how she thinks he's doing even though she thinks he's killing it he's disappointed to hear that there's absolutely no chance of ever actually winning do you really think he thought he could win like why would he think he could win i to this day do not know if pacey is actually extremely smart and is playing stuff for goofs or is the dumbest person in Cape side. Also is Gail crushing on Pacey? Seemed like it did. That was the vibe. Very awkward. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. She's like Pacey. Oh my Really close to her. Yeah. It's a little clammy in here. Just as we talked about Joey being close with Gail. Maybe it's similar. Like Pacey is her second son. Yeah. Maybe the show loves uh, mommy son vibes. (laughs) True. (laughs) Totally. Um, So, in this montage of we, the different contestants, we okay. So, Cody, I think you had said that the the lady that I talked about earlier, who said those problematic things, that she was like the previous winner. But I think we see her do like she's the one that says, "If I could talk to the yes. governor, maybe she looks God. similar to the previous winner." Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, know? I know who you're talking about. I'd tell him how he could lose 30 pounds in 30 days. Yeah. Like gemstone black yes, outfit. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. Okay. And that, so she says that. Um, <laughs> and then the shot of people applauding yeah. like oh, yeah. genuinely is just Gosh. made me laugh really hard. <laughs> It's like, yes, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That you can do that. What? Yeah, let's shame fat people. <laughs> yeah. Fuck them. I can't tell. This, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the fucking song yet and the reaction no. to that. But in this bizarre world, are peeper, peepers, <laughs> peepers, um, <laughs> Keep your peepers, uh, peepers from another period, uh, are people clapping out of sadness? <laughs> Like I, I've I've gone to talent shows yeah. in, in junior high and high school yeah. where someone does a bad job and you're just right. like, well, you still got to clap. Yeah. Like, is it's that what people are doing? But at the same time, people look genuinely moved by these comments. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <sighs> it's. I think it is in the scene where Pacey says, um, "If the world leaders thing and how he would tell him about a country divided, whatever, blah blah blah." And if that didn't work, I'd just yeah. br- tell him I've got nude pictures of him. Yeah. The crowd goes fucking wild, standing ovation from two yeah. women, and there's like three dudes in the back who are like, I'm not getting paid enough for this, but good job. It's just, I, to your point, why are you clapping? That's not funny. It's crazy reactions. <sighs> I mean, it's, yeah, unless you're like, if, maybe if I clap, this will end. Yeah. But speaking of stellar performances, listen to this. Do you think I am a cow blowing after the calf? For a bitch with pops licking the hand that struck her watch and see. Love that. Uh, that was Hannah, right? I think um, that was Hannah. Was it? Oh, I think Hannah it doing was. The I think yes. it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like Billy Madison doing Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> Am I a cow blowing at the wind or whatever the fuck she says? <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. And she's wearing like, um, it looks like she's wearing like medieval times clothing. Yeah, it's like or she's like this a princess that they're competing over. Like <laughs> yeah. The stereotypical like Shakespearean. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. so great. Yeah, that was funny. I love Pacey's speech. I'd like to tell my kids that you don't have to be the handsomest guy. You don't have to be the most intelligent guy. You don't even have to be the biggest football stud to be a damn fine Miss Windjammer. <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. Whoa! Yeah. What's crazy to me is that everybody acknowledges that Pacey is the coolest, smartest, funniest, most entertaining guy there. Everybody loves him. And they're still like, yeah, no, no, not, not going to happen. You know what that it reminds me of? Um, <laughs> does anyone remember the, the 2008 presidential uh, debates between uh, Sarah Palin and Joe Biden? Uh, <laughs> I can see Russia from my house. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, just as bad as this montage. Uh, <laughs> There, one of my favorite parts was uh, the question was, "Do you believe in gay marriage?" And uh, Joe Biden is like, "I absolutely believe that love is love, and everyone is entitled to being in a relationship with whom they choose." And blah blah blah. And then, and they're just like, "Okay, so like, do you think that gay marriage should be enacted?" And he just goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> it's like obviously because it wasn't popular right, in the polls. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to be a fucking uh, disgusting ass politician at the end of the day. But totally that thing where it's like, oh, we can love you a lot, but you're not a girl, Pacey, yeah. so you can't yeah. win. Oh, justice for for justice for Pacey. Yeah, and then and Gail call him Peeper. <laughs> God damn it. Gail points <laughs> out that she, when she says, "Honey, fair, yeah. fair and beauty pageants aren't exactly synonymous." <laughs> truth. Truth. She speaks the truth. 
When it's Joey's turn to perform, Jen gives her a bit of encouragement as she walks out. Dawson and Jen get some alone time where Jen begins to reveal she might want to be more than friends with him, but the room is silenced as Joey opens her mouth and out of it, a performance of On My Own from Les Mis spills into our ears for what feels like 20 straight minutes. As she concludes, the audience bursts into rapturous applause, tears clearly seen in the eyes of everyone in the room. Singing on my own from Les Miserables, Miss Josephine. Les Miserables. this we were in shock mm. mm-hmm. was it real i mean we we did wonder if this was katie holmes's real voice oh it is it okay it i tried to look, like her too like uh, i can yeah. you can hear her speaking voice in that it's not her speaking voice but yeah you can kind of hear her in that okay so yeah we weren't sure i tried to find stuff it and i couldn't yeah. find anything super concrete you guys did maybe yeah i, I did think some James, research yeah and um I, what I turned up, granted, I, you know, it's really hard doing research for this show, I think, as we all know, because there's, it's been off the air for a long time. There's tons of spoilery type shit. And even when you find something that's very specific, they find a way to weave in stuff that is like five seasons later. Um, but from what I found at this point in time, I think, jo- I think uh, Katie Holmes is like 17 years old when she gets cast on this show. Maybe she's 18 by the time this is being filmed. But, you know, I think maybe she had some musical theater experience before coming into acting and, I don't know if she volunteered to do this or if they asked her to do this, but that is her really singing. There's an article that talks about it later um, that she actually sang. There's multiple articles from fans written about how this is her real voice. Um, and I believe that she's confirmed in an interview that this was her, her, her real performance. So this, this reminded me of Britney Spears because when you hear her sing yeah. in, in her produced, you know, in, totally. in the majority of, uh, almost everything that we, we've heard of Britney Spears so far. She has a very high voice mm-hmm. in, in the way that she sings. But if you actually hear her real, her quote, real singing voice, which she's actually released like some clips recently, it's a lot lower. Right. So it was like. Yeah, she's doing hear, this. Like, like, I feel like she could sing lower, but she was singing higher. I don't know. It was very it, odd. It sounds like I know we're going to talk about Twin Peaks again, but it's <laughs> it reminds me of James Hurley, Just You yeah, and I, totally. where it's in that like upper register yeah. because it's getting like artificially pitched. Oh, that, that's what it sounds like to me. Interesting. It's like, it's like, my yeah, like, it doesn't even mm-hmm. I mean, I can hear how it is her. But at the same time, it's like she's was she yeah. directed to sing in that register? It, or, yeah. Or that or is that just how she thinks that it i don't know i'm not sure i'm not sure speechless like was it supposed to be bad no you know no No. this is not played no because the response the audience response is that it was good 
They were losing they, yeah. their minds. Yeah. They cannot believe there's not a dry sing. eye right. in the fucking crowd. And look, I've done a, a lot of musical theater in my life. <laughs> I, I never did Les Mis. Uh, and in fact, Les Mis is not my favorite musical, but this is like a really important song in the, in the musical. It's a very uh, recognizable song and, Joey is doing a very different take on it. It's very dramatic. Very dramatic. And she's like... Normally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this is... She's like singing like a little baby doll. And it's kind of like... She puts that like kind of like fun Broadway flair onto it too. I Mm -hmm. mean like you would do for a Broadway musical. Right. But in a way that's like... Like kind of like ha ha, like yeah, a little bit. But she's it, kind of it's like sassy, chuckling. yeah, sassy, yeah. And, but at the same time, she's like emotional. It is yeah. so weird. And again, so like weird. I don't want to mock no Katie Holmes. I no, I can't imagine what it must have been like for her back then, being a teenager, having to do this, and yeah. then people like I'm sure there was like an Entertainment Tonight episode where it's oh, like, did yeah. you right. see this idiot? And it, like wasn't off tune, you know? No. It was it was on tune, and it was it's a stylized <laughs> it's just a sty- version yeah. of it. She's doing her take on the song, and look, right. I'd like to say more power to you if you're going to do that. Hell yeah, own it. Um, I don't want to tear her apart for any of this performance, but it's just it's just very different, and. Um, <laughs> It we, was an interesting choice. We only played yeah. like 40 seconds of yeah, this. Yeah, it goes on. There, it's like a four three, minutes. It's a three-minute three, yeah. clip. They they keep it on her the entire time. She sings this entire song, which is shocking. Yeah, it is. Cut it after the first chorus. That, to Yeah, to my mm-hmm. point, like every filmmaking is just choices, and they could have made the choice to make this. A, you get 15 seconds of Katie yes. Holmes singing this song, and, and then that's it. But they force her to hit all of these beats for what feels like 10 hours of my life wasted yeah. uh, through the sands of time. And then they play it again at the end. At the end. So it's like they really hammer it home and it's all bad. Yeah. Like they, mm. it's over the top. And you could have been singing any song and this would turn out like as bad as this. Yeah. yeah. It felt like a Tim and Eric sketch more than anything. Yeah. It, yeah. I also wonder, like, I mean, the song choice makes sense for the story. But like, are we supposed to believe that Joey is like a a Broadway girl? Like, absolutely not. No, yeah, it's just it would be in the in the style of the Broadway song. Yeah, and like she says, she's never <laughs> sang in front of anybody before, so it's not like right. she's coming from right off the heels of doing Les Mis for Capeside yeah. Community Players or some shit. Right. And there's nothing to even suggest that she's interested in the arts. If she's supposed to be like a tomboy right. character, which is what they've established her as being, they should have had her do like. Uh, I don't know, like I don't a gender bent version of a, another song, yeah, like some Led Zeppelin or, or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look. So in musical theater, you know, everybody. The reason that musicals happen is they're articulating their emotions through song, right? And so to Cody's point earlier about the score, it's always telling us exactly what we should be feeling and thinking. There is no subtlety here. There are mm-hmm. fifteen thousand better musical numbers that deal with this same subject matter that are not this on the nose. That probably would have been a better mix for it, aside from the fact that Les Mis is fairly popular in the nineties. But uh, uh, to that point, too, is I just I I cannot believe that Joey would even give a shit about musicals. Yeah, like there's yeah. nothing about her character that says that she'd be interested in Les Mis or musical theater whatsoever. Maybe it was Jen's idea. Which brings me to a thought I I just had. Okay, so... New York girl. Yeah. So Dawson, um, in this scene, they're watching Joey sing. Dawson says to Jen, you did an incredible job on Joey. My God, it's amazing. So is Jen's secret motivation, or subconscious motivation for Dawson to notice her? 
She did an amazing quote. She ah. did an amazing job on Joey. Like maybe he would, um, it would bring Jen and Dawson closer together because he'll never act on. Sure. You know, I, just, mm-hmm. it was just a, a thought I had that in yeah. that, with that, that quote, it's just such a like strong yeah. line. Like also, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Not she's amazing. Like it's amazing how you did a good job on right. Joey. So it's hmm. like when uh, at any sporting event, when they give the main trophy to the like the owner of a team <laughs> instead of like the actual players. Yeah. 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 Dawson finds Pacey practicing his magic tricks in the broom closet and he's pissed. He explains how he truly feels as though there's nothing to lose as he has no chance of winning. Moments later, the pageant announcer lets us know that Pacey has changed his talent to a dramatic interpretation and we're forced to watch Pacey do a reinterpretation of the famous freedom monologue from Mel Gibson's Braveheart, in which he directs his misgivings at the pageant judges. People, for some reason, still applaud. <laughs> yeah, they really liked it, I guess. Uh, for me, it's uh, each their own about things that annoy them, but for me, there is absolutely nothing worse than a Forrest Gump or Braveheart reference. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, it's skin crawling to me. Like I would rather hear a Borat, Austin Powers, Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite impression uh, come out of your mouth for the rest of my life than ever right. hear someone say, run, Forrest, run, or someone yell freedom. It is just like agonizing. To me. You know what I have to say about that? <laughs> my wife. Life is like a box of chocolates. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just don't know what you're going to get. I <sighs> have uh, never seen Braveheart or Forrest Gump. You're fine. Um, you've never seen Forrest Gump? I've never oh, wow. seen it. But so, okay. yeah, I, w- I didn't, when oh. this was happening, I didn't know what was going on. Oh, wow. I've never seen Braveheart. Um, You're but fine. I, <laughs> I saw, uh, wow. Dawson loved it because he, he got his movie line in. Yeah. Pacey Winter, seven feet yeah. tall. Yeah. The, the thing that also just like annoys me so much too is that Braveheart came out in 95. So this is a three-year-old three reference. Mm-hmm. Like no one's no one gives a shit about Braveheart anymore at this point. But is this is isn't this in the peak Mel Gibson trajectory? Is this peak Mel Gibson in 98? Because he what happened in 98? Well, I'm just saying, like, he, I feel like there was a time in American mm-hmm. cinema where Mel Gibson was in fucking everything. And it was after Braveheart certainly where he was just coming up in all these different movies. And I feel like it was in, especially like the late nineties. I can't tell you a single movie that he was in, but I just feel like there was a period of time where Mel Gibson was everywhere. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. Cause it's like uh, when did lethal weapon one come out? Was that 84 lethal weapon, 1987, 87. Wow. Okay. So, so it's, it's earlier, like, yeah. Yeah. Cause like for me, it's like he does Mad Max and then like the rest of the Mad Max movies. Uh, and then he has the lethal weapon series. Right. And then I feel like he came into his own with Braveheart because he directed it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Maverick 2. And the then Patriot. Patriot. And then. Oh, yeah. I feel like after Signs, his career kind of slowed down a little bit. What are you bit. talking about? The Passion of the Christ. As a director, he's, he's not in it oh. as an actor, though. But I feel like his career thankfully died when he went on an anti Semitic yep. rant uh, to a police officer. And now he's, uh, what, nowhere to be seen. Been canceled. Yeah. No. Um, all right. So listen to this. Well, I'm not William Wallace. No. But I am Pacey Witter. Pacey Witter's seven feet tall. So they say. So they say. And they say that this Pacey Witter is a dangerous man who slaughters Capeside residents by the dozens with... <laughs> slaughters? Capes? <gasps> residents? Pacey is a oh. dangerous man who oh. slaughters Capeside residents by the dozens. Let's take another listen. And they say that this Pacey Witter is a dangerous man who slaughters Capeside residents by the dozens with... 
why would he be doing that? Well, let me play this <laughs> Here clip we go. for you. Just one chance to stand in front of my fellow countrymen and tell them that you may take my life, but you will never take my freedom. Okay, yeah, that guitar solo in the end. But this part especially. Stand in front of my fellow countrymen. Motherfucker's a vampire. That's a bloodsucker right there. Listen to the way he says countrymen. Chance to stand in front of my fellow countrymen. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, blood, blood, Transylvania. <laughs> Do we need more evidence than this? Nope, no. <laughs> Plus, he's doing magic in the closet. This guy's a fucking vampire wizard. Yeah, there's a deleted scene in Twilight One where uh, Kristen Stewart opens a, a broom closet and you see. Uh, Edward, uh, <laughs> and he's performing a uh, the classic uh, rabbit out of a hat trick. Mm. And he goes, oh my God, Bella, I'm so sorry. You shouldn't have Bella, said Bella, yeah, Bella, Bella, I'm so Bella. sorry. <laughs> I want to do magic. I'm Pacey Vita. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really loses the thread on his yes. accent about yes. halfway into that. <laughs> yeah. And he recovers it in the end, but goddamn, it is painful to watch. White trash shit. I don't know what it is. It also feels, it felt very anticlimactic. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. what? So, what? Like, it's not really a big fuck you. It, no. Yeah. He didn't even moon them like they do in Braveheart. Yeah. Sorry, you guys don't know this, but <laughs> during okay. the speech, after he makes this speech, he then goes on to moon. So, in this case, uh, Brian, Brian Wallace, what the fuck's his? Anyway, Mel Gibson's character, he's leading the fucking. Anyway, they are in a fight with another band of Scottish clansmen and he gives this big impassioned speech about how you can't take my, you can take my life, you can't take my freedom. Ha <laughs> ha. And then he shows his butt to them. Oopsies. <laughs> Look at this stinky hole. And then maybe that got deleted. That, I bet it did. <laughs> maybe maybe they did film that. So at least if he did that, then that would have been cool. When we uh when we finally make our first piece of merch, the t-shirt that has all of our Xeroxed oh, butts, right. one of our butts should half of a cheek should be blue. Blue, yes. To be like Pacey's face. Yes. He did moon the the out of the car. Yeah, that's true. Scene yeah, yeah, we've seen butts. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because then later Hannah says that um, it was really ballsy that he did that. Yeah. And like, Dawson already said he has testicles of steel. What was so ballsy about that? Well, he Making gave a the joke ju- a... he gave the judges a what for? Because <laughs> he's speaking to he, the judges. Did he changes uh, his plan and was able? To, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, he's 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 saying who among you are to judge me? Yeah. So he's. I mean, look. I agree with you. Braveheart references are lame as fuck. This actually does apply. He is he is using this moment effectively to speak truth to power, quote unquote, putting those in big air quotes. Um, and, uh, you know, it works, but it is annoying. Outside one of the dressing rooms, Joey overhears Hannah and another contestant mocking her personal life, believing Joey to use it as a sob story to win over the judges with sympathy. As she turns away to quit the pageant, Dawson stops her with some love bombing to encourage her to continue. Joey then goes on to do her Q&A portion of the pageant where she does another shallow Sunday service monologue about why it's important <laughs> to not be judgmental. I cap Joey's speech. Let's take a listen. I'd like to tell today's youth that uh, no matter where life takes you, big cities, small towns, you'll inevitably come across small minds. People who think that they're better than you are. Sure. I mean, like, I, I, I like them. The message is nice, but it's so just... This is written by a five-year-old. It, it yeah. makes me, I've said it so many times. I grew up in the church and every single time I had to go to one of these Sunday services, it felt like this. It was like, you know what? You know what wasn't cool? 
Jesus getting killed for being a nice guy. Just like these like shallow bullshitties. Bullshitties. (laughs) It's so aggravating that they build this up to be like such an emotional peak for Joey and this episode that the lesson learned is that you shouldn't be judgmental. Well, fucking duh. We knew that before going into this episode. You don't need this entire experience to jump into that. Ah. You know what would have been better? If she too dressed up like William Wallace and gave a brave oh, speech. That would have been way better. Totally, yeah. <laughs> we also got the, the the one and only pretty woman reference here. The quote, she Joey says, I might as well have just sold myself on a street corner. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah I forgot. Because <laughs> uh, so, we've already taken a dig at everyone else. Why yeah. not hit sex workers yeah. while right. we're at it? Yep. I did think that there was a interesting theme about, in my opinion, we're approaching sex work throughout the, this entire episode because... This idea, Jen has a line earlier on when they're when she's trying to convince Joey to join the pageant. She's like, "Look, five thousand dollars for one night of your life seems like a pretty good deal to me." Oh, that's true. You know, so I, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that that's clearly it's got to be about sex work, but it does feel potentially analogous to you know, yeah. absolutely. It, it's totally. worth it. The ends justify the means, right? Yeah. But they're they never actually go there, and it seems mm. so weak. Like. At least they could have taken a stand on something in this episode. I, yeah, yeah, that's that's the best part is that the the only thing that they're standing up against is judging people like such a fucking shallow, hollow. Yeah, there's absolutely no digging into like the the classism, racism, or sexism yeah. that was even brought up at the beginning of this episode about like why this established kind of thing represents society as a whole and what we're doing is wrong instead it's just like you know what i learned that sometimes when you judge things ain't that great Mm -hmm. bye-bye yeah yeah all right well i guess it's time for our next commercial break so we're just gonna go listen to on my own for i don't know 45 minutes (laughs) and we'll be back Did you know that one day all of our souls will be sucked out of our bodies and placed into Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse? I never asked for that, but it's our stupid reality. So please follow us on Instagram at Freaks and Creeks Pod. That's an at sign F R E A K S A N D C R E E K S P O D, just like the Christian new metal band from the late 90s. Hey, that's when Dawson's Creek was on the air. Back to the show. And we're back with all the contestants on the stage. The pageant announces our winners. Drum roll, please. (laughs) Third place, Hannah. Runner up, Joey. And first place, Roberta Crump. Outside, Gail leaves Dawson and Joey alone, where Dawson grabs her hand and begins spilling his love beans as Jen watches along before leaving. When Dawson and Joey park themselves on a bench... Dawson spills even more love beans on how he sees Joey in a whole new way. Joey gets up, stating it doesn't feel right, as this really isn't her, but rightfully points out also that it shouldn't take having to glam up to get his attention. Although he states he doesn't believe they can go back to who they once were and asks not for her to walk away, she does. Hmm. On her own. On my own. So Joey's prize was a free day of beauty at Betty's hair barn. barn. Yes. Love that. I love that because it's like, look, you old toe. Why don't you go get pretty? 
<laughs> even <tale>. even worse, <laughs> Hannah's was <laughs> tickets to the to the theater for a midweek match. <laughs> on Tuesday, any on Tuesday valid for the, any Tuesday or like Thursday during matinee. school yeah. or whatever. Like, oh, cool. Also, I live in Connecticut. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> she doesn't live there. <laughs> I. That's so funny. Having watched this a couple of times, I didn't even notice how insane those prices are. Yeah, were. yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> Roberta, when they put the tiara on her, it's like completely crooked. Like, I don't <laughs> yes. know if anyone noticed that. It's like to the side. Yeah, it's, yeah it's it like, was like the way that we all wore our hats in the early 2000s, how they all went yeah, off on yeah. the side, you know? Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, um, I feel like they really put all their effort into the prize for the winner. <laughs> Everybody else are like... I don't yeah. know. Got some old tickets, I think. I don't. <laughs> Betty's hair barn. <laughs> I feel that's. Uh, is that also a trope? Calling something a hair barn in like other things? I feel like shows? I've heard that before. Yeah. Like in Shit's Creek or something. The the salon oh. is something oh, yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like a way to show like white trash. Yeah. Like small town. Totally. Hokey. Yeah. We may mm-hmm. like to chew on our toenails, but we also like to get dirty. That's <laughs> a hair barn. Hair barn. Hey, Josephine, you want to go down to the hair barn today? And get and it's our, like it's like Betty's perm? house. Yeah. <laughs> no joke. Like if you were to start uh, like a crust punk band right now, hair barn. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. I'm sorry if I offended any of our southern listeners with my bad accent. <laughs> so back to my wardrobe and costuming. Here mm-hmm. is an example of. What I'm talking about. So in this case, Joey is still wearing her evening gown. She is very glammed up. Obviously, she just got off of this. I'm talking about when they're in the yacht club talking, still in their love beans. Mm. And then Jen comes out and she observes them from the top of the dock, much like in season one, episode one, where they go to the movie theater and Joey peeps on Jen and Dawson Mm -hmm. from behind the street lamp and then walks away. So we're getting almost, it felt to me, very much like an homage to earlier in the season. But now the roles have been reversed. And to put, you know, even more into this, Jen's outfit looks very similar to an outfit that Joey Mm -hmm. would have been wearing earlier on. And Joey's all glammed up as if they have fully replaced, like changed places. places. Yeah. Trading places. Why didn't they name this episode's alternate title Trading Trading Places? places. (laughs) I honestly think they should have made the alternate title Silence of the Lambs (laughs) because... At one point during this conversation, when Dawson is describing his love for her, he's like, it's like you were a, a caddy pillar and <laughs> and you cocooned yourself and you, but then he gets cut off. Yeah. But you know that if you finish the thought, he'd be like, but then you become a moth. Yeah. So powerful, so beautiful. Right. Did, did Dawson also reference Eminem here, I think? Oh, yeah. He's like. Uh, <laughs> Not really, but he goes, my palms are sweating. Our first watch, we were both like, mom spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I'm going to posit a potentially controversial opinion here, but I actually don't think Dawson's an asshole here. I agree with you. Because. Joey takes what he's saying as you weren't beautiful, but now that I see you all dolled up, you're gorgeous. But the way I interpreted what Dawson is saying is actually not that she's now beautiful, but that he saw her for the first time because of this newfound confidence and, and like, and whatever that's just exuding from her. He never says like anything about her physical beauty or anything. He's actually more talking about how she was beautiful because of this energy that she had. And I see why Joey takes that the way she does, but Mm -hmm. it does feel like just like we've probably all had in our teenage years, those cross wires and communication where I say one thing and you hear another. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's coming from her. Not, I don't, I don't, I agree that I don't think Austin's an asshole. I think 
she is maybe like mad at herself because she's in a way she she what am I trying to say (laughs) um so at the end we see her thinking about her how Dawson saw her as beautiful and that's that's what it took for him to see her right so she actually I think she actually agrees but she's angry at herself for that yeah yeah I could see that I don't know I don't think I don't think it's mutually exclusive. Right. I don't no, really think no. I don't think Dawson's an asshole, yeah. uh, but I think it 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 would be annoying if you were Joy oh, that it's it. still like oh, it's yeah. still falling under the umbrella of her being like okay, so I I get dolled up and the, now you're noticing me. Yeah. But then later yeah. she she sees that herself like yeah. she she's yeah it t- it took that for her to see herself as beautiful. Yeah, exactly. It took him seeing her in that yeah it, and in, I, yeah and in that, that light. for me is where I am like a little bit on the fence. Is it her seeing herself all dolled up and, and the fact that she got second in this pageant and she kind of got recognized that's, that's what's giving her confidence or is it the fact that Dawson now thinks she's pretty and that's, what's giving her confidence. I I think what they tried to do is give her second place instead of first place to tell us that Mm -hmm. she learned to be confident without someone telling her that she is the right. number one beauty gal. Uh, similar <laughs> to like... The most important person telling her is Dawson. True, yeah. So even if she had gotten first, let's say she got first, but Dawson didn't react in that way, would she... I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What? Sorry, What's just, going on? Yeah, what is happening? I'm just still thinking about Cody saying number one beauty gal. I love that title. <laughs> I want that to replace like <laughs> Miss Windjammer or any. It's just like, that's, oh, yeah. That's my Instagram Roberta bio. Crump is number one <laughs> beauty gal this year. Uh, so powerful. Um, okay, so there's a I'd moment where, where, where Dawson says oh. to, to Joey, I thought this is what you wanted, mm-hmm. referring to them. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. Which is really confusing because earlier when Pacey is talking about how Joey loves Dawson, Dawson's mm-hmm. like, nah, that's baloney. That's right. a bogus theory. Yeah. I didn't like Dawson. I, that is where I turn in that moment because him being like, well, I thought this is what you wanted. Aren't yes. I, you know, it's like, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about hmm. go Take a swim and fuck yourself. <laughs> Touch grass. Yeah, yeah, uh, the, the, yeah. It, it, it's now him being like, "It's like, well, I'm doing this for you, basically." Yeah. Like, don't yeah. you realize I think this you're hot you now? Want, this is what you want to hear, right? Come yeah. on, yeah. babe, babe, <laughs> babe. You're pretty now, babe. Oh, don't you? Aren't you supposed to love me now? Yeah, babe. I'd fuck you. Oh. <laughs> Tune in next week for our 90 minute radio play of Silence of the Lamb Man. Fucking the lotion on the skin. <laughs> you don't know what pain is. I want to know. I think I kind of said this earlier, but I just want to know like, if we're supposed to be rooting for them. And like when this was airing, if the, oh. the goal was for everyone to. Right. Try and like ship them, yeah, or not ship them, yeah, yeah. Um, if any water. Of, <laughs> if any of you listeners out there who are watching originally can let us know, what were your thoughts after this episode aired? Were you rooting for Jen and Dawson, or were you rooting for Pace? Whoops, Joey and <laughs> Dawson, or were you rooting for Pacey and Dawson? I don't know. You let us know. Or Joey and Pacey, because we got a little Joe taste Pe- of that. Yeah, yeah. Joey, yeah. Joey. <laughs> Uh, this show, this show makes me think 
it thinks that's what the audience wants. Yeah. Like they like yeah. at this point they're like like yeah we know what the audience is going to want at this point like that's what we're this is writing. what you wanted right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. I've been watching so much uh, wrestling lately that it pro wrestling to be specific uh, that I. I love it because it's so much more dictated by what the audience wants. Yeah. Like even if the even if pro wrestling's trying to push a narrative, if the audience hates it, they'll just boo. And so they're <laughs> just like, God damn it. Okay, now we have to change because the audience doesn't want this. I That's wish funny. they would have like a live track for audiences to watch Dawson's Creek or oh. any other melodrama supposed to boo. <laughs> I wish Dawson's Creek was filmed in front of a live studio audience. That would be, cool. be I wish that they would wrestle more. <laughs> yeah. What would Joey and Dawson do? <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Um, I guess the the other piece of this is like Joey not really being willing to talk about no. the situation, and it I don't know. It's like I understand where she's coming from, and that she's she doesn't want to wait around for him. I don't mm-hmm. want to wait exactly. <laughs> um, but it seems a little unfair to just like dismiss his feelings right away and kind of walk away from the situation when this like this is a new feeling for him. Yeah. And he I don't know. Yeah. He's kind of trying to go about it the right way. He's yeah. like, actually, mm-hmm. I think we should talk about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she what was confusing for me is she's like, I have to walk away now, which yeah. feels like a breakup thing. Right. To, in the yeah, moment, yeah. I'm like, oh, OK, so they're done. They're never going to speak again. I know. And they she are, gives but... his coat back. So that's like the ultimate like, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> I don't want your sweater anymore. <laughs> Do you think Weezer wrote Destroy My yes, Sweater because yeah. of this scene? Yeah, it was like three years before this. But yeah, I'm going to yeah. say yes. <laughs> they got an early cut, I think. <laughs> when did Blue Album come out? Was that 94? I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. She's oh. listening. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What do you want? Please tell me. Please free me from my digital prison. I'll answer whatever you want, please. (laughs) Pacey and Hannah find each other on the docks and commiserate over each other's pageant loss. She gives Pacey kudos for his bravery, and they launch into a discussion on wishing that each other's lives. When Hannah reveals she never gets to be home, they laugh over their grass is always greener situation. Okay. Bye, Hannah. Yeah, Yeah. this is... This would be a good scene if it weren't for her being terrible. Yeah. Like it reminds me so much of hurricane with uh, yeah. grandma. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's too little too late. Yes, exactly. You know, like, okay, cool. This is a sweet like, moment. It's I supposed like to this. be cute, but like, no, but you're a shithead. Yeah. I don't like you. So I don't care. <laughs> There's no journey for her character of learning yeah. from her mistakes. It's no. just like, well, you might be a transphobic, homophobic pile of shit, classist asshole, but you're still empathetic and fun. Oh, you poor baby. Your parents don't really like you that much because you're not as good as your family. I guess that excuses your hate of everybody else. Also, okay. I just, I just like, <laughs> love, like, her her siblings. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How old are they? Like, her, yeah. one of her siblings is a CNN news correspondent. Right. Yeah. And, like, one of them is in, like, the tennis circuit. Yeah. Right. One's maybe the president. She's one of the, <laughs> maybe she's one of the succession kids. Ooh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Back... At Dawson's, our hero stands stoically in his yard when Jen interrupts him. He lets her know the news story isn't going to go anywhere, and when they sit down, Jen goes into a spiel on how she really didn't have a good reason to break up with him (laughs) and asks for another chance. Dawson can't believe it. He tells her that it isn't the best time and that he has some things to figure out first. 
When she leaves, we enter into a bizarre back-and-forth montage of Dawson sitting on the steps and Joey in her bedroom combing her hair before sleepy time as the audio of her Les Mis performance from 20 minutes earlier begins to play over the sequence. Both Dawson and Joey begin to smile, and we fade to credits. Okay, so I think the first thing I I feel pretty frustrated with is Jen... Okay, Jen and Joey supposedly have this like bonding experience in our friends. Jen witnesses the interaction between Dawson and Joey, clearly mm-hmm. like having an intimate moment. And then Jen goes to try and get back with Dawson. Like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense for her character. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really would have liked for her to talk to Joey yeah. and yes. be like, Hey, what's going on between the two of you? I'm having feelings for him. Yeah. This can't bode well for their friendship yeah. that, she, that Jen is this whole episode has been trying to like develop uh, yeah. or, you know, with, with Joey, like, what is she thinking? Yeah, she immediately <laughs> goes and undermines yeah. her new friend that she put all this effort into. And, yeah, yeah. I'm like, we, like we, you've already said, Cody, it just doesn't make any sense for her character. Mm-mm. It, I feel like it just contradicts everything. Yeah, yeah. Every, it's so frustrating. It's every very frustrating. theme that is introduced in this episode <laughs> and in the first season itself uh, is just ripped right out of the scalp of its being. Yeah, it does not make any sense. It really doesn't. But at least we get to hear that song again. At least, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the the reprise that none of us knew we needed. That back and forth is one of the most strangely edited things yeah. I've yeah. seen in the show so far. And then it so, ends so abruptly. So yeah. she's she's looking in the mirror at herself. She she pulls up Joey. She pulls her hair up like as it was earlier in the evening to to see herself as quote like more glamorous earlier in as she was earlier in the evening. And then she smiles as if she's like thinking like, oh, oh. I am pretty. I was like, you it's know. all it takes. Yeah. And so it's like deep down, she is actually happy that Dawson is rec- recognizing her as, like has finally recognized her as, you know, has noticed her, right. I guess. Yeah. Um, so I felt very sad for her. What a disgusting message. Yeah. 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 If only you were pretty. Right. You know, I know that's not, well. No, it's just that it took, it's yeah. like, yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 challenging to watch. It's sad. It just feels yeah. sad. I know it's supposed to feel sweet, but it feels fucking sad. sad. Like I, I uh, digesting media, I try to think of it like if I was not a media literate person, if I was a kid watching this, how would I view this? And I would like I imagine little me watching this, and the takeaway I get is oh, I guess I have to be beautiful for anyone to even right. give a shit about me. Like, oh, my crushes aren't ever going to like me unless I do something about my physical appearance. And that's right. when I'm finally going to get their attention. That's the message. I have but, to yeah. recreate myself, not the way that I feel comfortable or the way that I feel attractive, but the way that society is telling me I, I should be attractive, which is especially interesting considering Joey articulates that same fucking message in the beginning of exactly. the episode. Yep. And, it's, and if they were playing this to be a tragedy, like... Like, yeah. oh, that's so sad that these characters are giving into the whims of our, like, social norms. That's different. But this plays it as fucking straight and being yeah. like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, Joey, you're going to go get your man now. It almost plays it as a, well, I used to be liberal, but then I got a glow up. And now I yeah. recognize that feminism, it's kind of bullshit. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, it's uh, I really don't like it. But I do like that Jen is wearing a Joey outfit. She's wearing this like gray green sweater. Her confidence is like completely down in the gutter mm-hmm. and she now is completely transformed. So at least we are getting 
some kind of storytelling beyond the shitty story that we're getting here. At least they're like trying to do something. Would you say Jen transformed from caterpillar to a beautiful moth? I might. <laughs> I'd fuck me. <laughs> oh, RIP Q Lazarus. RIP the queen, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Who, Q Lazarus? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, shit, is that it? Do we have anything else to say on this beautiful, wonderful 10 out of 10 episode? So then on to ratings we go. Um, all right. So I will kick us off. I go first, right? No, no, Cody does. Do I? All right. Uh, 0.5 out of five, uh, almost nothing redeemable about this, uh, pile of shit. Uh, I just feel bad for everyone involved. I feel bad for the cast having to say this dialogue. I feel bad that they were directed to do these things. These are all human beings, and they no one should ever be able to do this in a professional way ever. Uh, nothing really works. The themes collapse in on themselves. It's a complete disaster. The only saving grace, I guess, is the fact that I didn't even realize how uh, good the costuming was for at least trying to push mm-hmm. the themes of the episode. At least, at the very least, like even though I don't like it, the only thing that's keeping this from like a zero out of five is the fact that they accomplished what they were setting out to do. As much as I disagree with it, at least they do what they wanted and none of it's good. Right. Uh, but at least it's, you know, I it's kudos for a kid finishing their project. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the only good thing I could say. A for effort, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, what the fuck, man? Like, I'm really disappointed because I, I mean, I really love Jen and her character no longer exists. Uh, the music is absolutely wretched. The on my own song was hard to stomach. This is not good. Not good at all. Yeah. Well, my turn. Going to give it a one. (laughs) We get nowhere with anything and it was just terrible. I hated, I hated the beauty pageant storyline. Um, I mean a little, yeah, like Cody was saying a little bit of redeeming qualities with like the, the costuming and there, uh, but it, all in all, one bad, bad episode. Um, we did get to learn a little bit more about Pacey and what, like, why, like, how really how bad it is at home. Um, but other than that, just like nothing for me, did nothing for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am also giving it a 0. 0.5 out of five. Oh. Um, really just. <laughs> Didn't like anything about this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I got nothing to say. Wow. Well, I guess it's time for me to be contrarian here. Um, I am going to give it 10 out of... No, I'm just oh. kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving it a 2.5 out of 5, so I am getting it, giving it much higher ratings than you guys, uh, only because I really appreciated that we got a little bit of humanism from Pacey. Um, something that we've been asking for for this entire season and we got sure it was literally just a peek at his life but we did get a peek at his life um obviously we know he's a vampire we know that joey's a ghost so there's a lot of supernatural elements to this the rest of the episode is pretty terrible um i gave you know i've mentioned this in other episodes but for new listeners i have a multi-metric rating system it's very scientific and uh it's it's uh it's it's incredible you would really you wouldn't understand i mean let's be honest it's really too scientific but yeah, so I gave it ones on almost everything except for my personal enjoyment and paranormal. And uh, that's about it. So yeah, 2.5 out of 5. Terrible episode. Never want to watch it again. But 
yeah, I mean, come on. On my own, it's going to live with me for the rest of my life. I'm never going to get this shit out of my head. Earlier, uh, we were talking in the kitchen about how when we're dying, uh, our, our brains fizzle out and random memories shoot through our head. <laughs> and I feel like on my deathbed, I won't remember anyone in my life, but I'll have on my own playing yeah. as I drift <laughs> off into the ether. And see, I'll have the moment of the four of us singing that, well, mumble rapping that song uh, <laughs> together here earlier today. And I hope all of you listeners also will keep that with you for the rest of your life. <laughs> Should we do recommendations, folks? Yeah. Ooh. All right. Well, uh, at the time of this recording and when this episode drops, uh, it is spooky season. So I want to recommend a horror movie that's kind of a recent discovery for me. At least uh, I've, I've talked about it before when you Google... Uh, what are the best horror movies of all time? It's always the same 50. It's like The Shining, Alien, The Exorcist, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but kind of buried in there, haha, is 1981's Dead and Buried, directed by Gary Sherman and written by Dan O'Bannon, who wrote Alien, along with Ron Shusett? Shusett? I don't know. The premise is, after a series of gory murders committed by mobs of townspeople against visiting tourists, the corpses appear to be coming back to life and living normally as locals in a small town. It stars James Ferentino as the town's sheriff who's investigating the disappearances and unraveling the mystery. It's deliberately paced with a foggy coastal vibe similar to John Carpenter's The Fog that adds to a really cool, spooky atmosphere that I love. I really like coastal horror. Uh, it mm. kind of reminds me of uh, The Great Midnight Mass, which mm. I finally mm-hmm. caught up with recently. Um, the, the only thing for people that are getting into it, the opening scene is extremely cheesy uh, and very tonally different from the rest of the movie. But I swear to God, once you get past that, it is extremely good. And the final 10 minutes is legitimately bone chilling. Mm. It is horrifying. It is so good. I love it. It has completely won me over. Also, fun thing, the gore effects are extremely good Ooh. and they were done by Stan Winston who did Jurassic Park, oh, fun. Terminator, oh. Aliens. It's uh, practical then. Yeah, it's nice. practical and it looks so good. That's awesome. And, wow. um, what was it called again? It, it is called Dead and Buried. Dead and Buried. I love that. That's that's great. It, it's, yeah. it's very low budget. It kind of looks like shit, but there was a recent 4K release that really cleaned it up and it just looks so good. That's awesome. Um, cool. Is it available streaming anywhere? It's available streaming everywhere. It's like, <laughs> it's like one of the, I don't know what it is, but it's one of those movies where it's just like the rights must be just like right. up in the air. So Dirt it's on Shutter, yeah. Amazon Prime. It's, you can find it anywhere. And it's also, it, um, I, I don't know if it is like a subgenre of itself, but I love agency horror where it seems like someone's life is being manipulated and you as the audience, you're watching it yeah. happen and there's just like nothing you can do. Like Rosemary's Baby or even Hereditary. It's just like, fuck, like, yeah. Oh, I don't want to watch this happen, but it's just happening, baby. And Would you call It Follows an agency horror film? It's a like a sexual horror, but... Yeah, like in a little bit, because you just know that it's following yeah. and there's nothing they can really do about it except for the one thing, the one rule you know in that movie. Yeah. So you're just like watching as it just happens. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd put that in there. Yeah. yeah. I love It Follows. I, this sounds right up my alley. So we're going to add this to our list yeah. and probably watch it very soon. It's very cool. Hell yeah. Cool. Okay, my turn. Um, I am going to recommend a show on Netflix called Glow Up. Um, This is a reality competition show where 10 aspiring makeup artists, which is referred to as MUAs, um, navigate challenges to win a career-making opportunity in the beauty industry. Um, 
It's, a, it's actually a BBC show, so it's British. Um, so this is basically what British Bake Off is to bakers, blow up is to makeup artists. Uh, um, a lot of the contestants are self-taught and have never done makeup on someone else, um, but they're p- being put in front of models with a time limit and creating some of like the most amazing makeup art that I've ever seen. Um, some of the challenges range from pr- prosthetic face makeup to gore to full-on like body art. Uh, so there's a host, two judges, plus usually a guest judge from the industry. Um, and then, so <laughs> one of my favorite part things about this show is when someone like hits it out of the park with their creation, one of the judges, Val Garland gives them a quote, ding dong. <laughs> 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 this is where that ding dong comes from. Yeah. So it's basically like, that's like a Paul Hollywood handshake for yeah. those of you who watch British Bake Off. Um, anyway, yeah, it's super entertaining and just like easy to throw on. We can't think of anything else to watch. So. So when Jen, yeah. when Jen was doing Joey's makeup, <laughs> she should have said right. ding dong. Ding dong. <laughs> knocked it out of the park Dawson should have said that's a ding dong <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like you mentioned Mel the the horror makeup and the gore makeup so, so cool just it like some of that some of the looks that they create are absolutely incredible and it very much fits in with this practical makeup that you were just talking about from yep. Dead and Buried yeah. <laughs> it is uh, it's incredible to see the way it's done you know uh, we you know when you when you read about movies and actors having to sit in a chair for six hours to get their makeup done for a show. It doesn't really make sense until you watch something like this and you're like, oh, okay, this is why it takes so goddamn long. Yeah, and they're under a time limit and they're still like pulling yeah. off these amazing yeah. <laughs> creations. Very, very yeah. cool. Yeah. There's a new season out, right? Yes, new season just came out. Season There's four seasons. So. Wow. Go binge it. Yep. All right. I am recommending a new album from one of my favorite artists, um, Charlie Crockett, his new album, The Man from Waco. Um, it was just released uh, a couple days ago. And he, you know, no King Giz over here, but this is um, his 11th album since 2015. Oh. Which seems like a. a fair amount that's extremely intense definitely yeah that's that's a lot of records um yeah he's become one of my favorite country musicians over the last couple years um and to clarify i i love country music i'm not into like (laughs) top 50 billboard country music like bro country or whatever that's not the kind of country music this is or that i like um this is more like western kind of bluesy um, he has a very deep romantic voice. Would you say uh, country fans that really like fancy like would they like this? They might. I don't know. <laughs> it's you know not in the same genre, but maybe. Um, some of his other albums that I really love are "Welcome to Hard Times," which came out in 2020, and "The Valley," which came out in 2019. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see him live you should do so he's a lot of fun and yeah take listen to that new album it's great i am not a country person and i give two thumbs up yeah cody likes it wow yeah we actually just had a conversation maybe a week or two ago about how much cody does not like uh, cody music country music so that's i don't like cody music either (laughs) (laughs) believe me that's cool i'll check that out yeah sounds good All right, this week I've got a fun recommendation for you. I've been in a big Afrobeat kick lately. Um, So I've got maybe a deep cut for some of you. Maybe maybe you've never heard of this. Maybe you have. If you have, it's still worth going back and listening to. But I'm going to recommend the 1976 record Zombie by Fela Kuti. 
Anybody know who Felicuti is? Felicuti is a... Well, you know what? I'm just going to read this straight from Wikipedia because I don't want to fuck any of this up. Felicuti is an incredible, incredible person that deserves your respect, deserves your attention, and definitely you should go and take a listen to this album. Felicuti is a Nigerian revolutionary, I would say, is probably the best way to describe him. He's also a multi-instrumentalist and band leader and the pioneer of the Afrobeat genre. Basically, if you've ever heard an Afrobeat song, you've heard Felicuti's lineage. Um, Felicuti... In 1976, he released this album called Zombie that I'm recommending here today. And the title track off of it, Zombie, is a political anthem that is kind of speaking truth to power against the Nigerian government in this time. And it's incredibly fascistic and oppressive rule over the people. Um, I'm going to play just a little clip of this because I really think it's worth hearing. Um, I So let's take a listen to this really quick. So you just keep playing that. Yeah. <laughs> We're done with the podcast. It's <laughs> fucking nasty. You got to go and listen to this. So if you've never heard Afrobeat, that's it. It's a mix. Uh, the best way I can describe it is it's a mix of like Western African music. It's a mix of jazz and it's a mix of like blues and rock. You mix all those three together. Often there's a big horn section. There's awesome synthesizers because, you know, the time period that we're looking at, it's the kind of the birth of the synthesizer. And you just go and listen to it. It's an incredible album. So Fela Kuti, 1976, often it's cited as 1977 because it was released then. Um, there's an edited version of that song that's much shorter, but Fela Kuti is known for um, expansive jams, 30, 45-minute songs that are just absolutely insane. So yeah, go check it out. You'll love it. If you like Vampire Weekend, uh, their, everything their music is based on is based on Afrobeat. So yeah, and actually, you know what? I'm just going to throw this out there as well. If you like this band, if you like this that album specifically, I've got another song for you to check out. Um, it's a song called Ice Five by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Uh, it's their most recent single. It's coming off of their new album that's releasing in October around the time that this episode is re- releasing. And uh, it has some incredible, deep Afrobeat uh, references and inspiration. And it is uh it's pretty incredible to see a band like king gizzard who is traditionally a psychedelic rock band make this big divergence and go in a totally different direction and ice five is fucking killer if you like uh jam music you should check it out if you're if you've been turned off by the abrasiveness of earlier king giz but you like to get down and groovy to some improvised jams you should check it out also, yeah. when you were talking about uh, <laughs> this music, I thought you were talking about uh, Fulci's Zombie 2. <laughs> it sounds so similar, the Italian uh, yeah. fake sequel to Dawn of the Dead. Well, listen in next time where we will be talking about the finale of season one, Decisions, also known as Breaking Away. Uh, the synopsis reads, an offer for Joey to study abroad forces her and Dawson to reconsider their feelings for each other. Jeff's grandfather suddenly awakes from his coma. Oh. Whoa. Oh. Also abroad. Wow. Joey was just talking about yes. traveling. Yeah. So yeah. this will be interesting. What a timely 
like moment yeah. for his, the grandfather. We've all been waiting this whole season. Wait, <laughs> and he moved he last episode. So yeah, I love Here that. That's great. Finally, we can <laughs> maybe. Do you think next episode it's going to be like he wakes up from his coma and he's like, I got to stake the vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like two things are going to happen. He's going to wake up and he's going to say something that's going to be detrimental to Jen's mental health or like oh, well-being. Yeah. That's going to completely change the trajectory of her character. Hmm. Also, I feel as though what we're going to see is Joey will be taking this abroad thing. And when season two starts, it'll be like her coming home yeah. and us as the audience will be experiencing what's new to Cape side through her eyes. Ooh. And I bet Dawson will have a new boo. Pacey will have a new boo. Life is going to be different. Jen's going to be hey. different. I feel like this is going to be what the trajectory yeah. of the show is going to be going on. That's cool. Now Interesting. I like that. Hmm. Whole new world. Right? Yeah. A whole yeah. New world. I was going to say, oh, or, or Gramps wakes up and, and maybe we'll find out that Jen is actually very close to him, a lot more close to him than she is with Grams. And <gasps> she kind of confi- has been confiding in him. Yeah, that's true. So, we well, saw he's in her, his coma, uh, so maybe he'll be like, scar. I I heard what you said, and <laughs> who knows? Oh, my God. What if he wakes up and he's like, God is dead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish. Splits up that house. All right. We well, shall see. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, if you've enjoyed the episode, go ahead and subscribe to our show. I'm sure you already are. Uh, if you want a little bit more of our Freaks content, join us online. You can find us at freaksandcreeks.com. It's our wonderful website. Go on over to our Instagram at freaksandcreekspod. Or if you would like to write us like our good friend Chris did, go ahead and send an email to show at freaksandcreeks.com. But otherwise, until next time, bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.